One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Do you want to go to rugby heaven? Let's go back to 1987 with Squidge. Let's go back to 87 with Squidge. Hello and welcome back to the Squidge Rugby World Cup retrospective podcast. The, the rugby podcast that is trying to work out what a birthday is if it's eight years before you're actually born. Because this game took place on my birthday, but eight years before I was born. Happy um, minus eighth birthday, Robbie <laughs> Owen. Thank you. Thank you. At the time, I was just like a collection of particles floating around Swansea somewhere, hoping to one day become a sperm. Yeah, um, so that's my memory of the though. game. Yeah. Uh, I'm joined by Will Owen. How are you doing? All right. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'm, fi- I'm feeling pretty good. And you sound particularly chirpy as well today, Robbie. Yeah, well, well, it's all for the sheer joy of finally, finally being joined by the one. I suppose you're not the one and only, are you? As you've very much found <laughs> out this week. One of very many. <laughs> by one, by one of the... Yeah, one of the Paul Williamses. How are you doing? Very well. How are you, gentlemen? I'm so glad to finally be on. Yeah. And thank I mean, you for inviting me. Delight so, to have you, Paul. We tried, like, I think I first asked you before we started doing the podcast. Like, yeah. I think I first asked you, like, to be on one of the first kind of five episodes or something. Yeah, that's right. And it's just taken until now for the stars to align and everything to kind of fall into Here place. I tell you, and now I'll drag you down to my depths. <laughs> Overuse oh. of metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's probably deliberate that you've happened to end up on basically one of the best games we'll ever cover on this podcast. So oh, fair play brilliant. to you, Paul. Yeah. Brilliant game. And it was, I, you know, that game is essentially the, you guys weren't born, but it's the, I became rugby conscious in about mm. 1987. Right, so I was born okay. in 77. Okay. And that's pretty much the first pro rugby I can remember. Right. Okay. But okay. it wasn't pro, but I mean top level. Yeah. So I'd be yeah. taking the Schweppes Cup finals, stuff like that, Swansea Neath. My dad used to take me and my grandfather. But that's just about the first stuff I can remember watching on TV. Right. Yeah. So what is kind of your, to kind of delve more into that, what is kind of like your memory of all of that? You know, how do you remember like enjoying it? What kind of hooked you onto it in that just respect? The, uh, the big memory is Paul Thorburn's kick right? mm. in the third, fourth playoff. And I remember my dad getting me up to watch it. It must have been like four in the morning. And I oh, remember wow. feeling, do you know, really grown up. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And it's the first time my dad almost sort of went, right, come on, son. You can get up now before you should be. All oh, right, <laughs> yeah. I'll come down and watch it. Yeah, and he's, and it was, yeah, it's, it's that World Cup is like my first proper memory. And the, just the players, you know, names like Campesi from mm, the game we've mm. watched. They are the first names I can really remember, you know, like yeah. David Campesi, that, and he's just stayed with me forever, you know. Sure. Yeah, I bet your mum was gutted when he first words. I tell you what, Campesi. my mother is more into rugby than my dad, believe it or not. Oh, mm. oh my God. My mother, you can have her on next. <laughs> We'd love to. Right? I'm game. She, I'm game with that. If you think I talk a lot, right, she does not stop. It's incessant, <laughs> right? I can't get a word in. So, yeah, get her on next. She'll love it. <laughs> I want to ask, like, what's who do you think should be the Welsh ten or something? But it's fairly settled at the minute, you know. Feels like this sort of, <laughs> know. It, the, 
That's the what, worry, though, isn't it? Does she have any particularly strong opinions? She does. She's mm. well. There's, she'll never look past Tommy Bow in any regard. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that is yeah. very similar I, to our mother. Yeah, Tommy yeah. Bow. She when he was in Swansea, playing down the Osprey. She used to. Is, is bother the right word? Assault, probably in the description. <laughs> Just go up. You know, she sort of loves him as a player and fancies him. She always talks yeah. to him. But Don't she's really into it, right? She's 74, mm. 75. Oh, wow. You know, I'm involved in it a little bit, so I tell a little bit of Bob. But she will watch top 14. Games I haven't even watched, right? She said, oh, yeah, there was That's stuff again. I watched Bordeaux. Oh, Christ, I didn't even watch Bordeaux. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, she's into it. She, and she's retired now. She'll watch everything. Oh, that's amazing. That's, that's great. great. That's really good to hear. She's finally got time for those super, super rugby games like yeah. on Friday Honestly, mornings. She's probably watching Pro D2 and don't even tell me. <laughs> <laughs> like one day she's just going to come out about that, come clean about that. I actually watch Pro D2. It's my favourite league. Yeah, or she'll give me like the top 10 Georgian props. You know, playing in French rugby. Like, oh, thanks, Mammy. I'll do a column on that now. <laughs> You've got a ghostwriter that we're now learning about, Paul. <laughs> exactly. I mention it all the time. One in six podcasts, I mention my mother. God, the love big her. question, though, right? How did your mum feel about Rory Best? Because the thing I've learned over the last 10 years is mums all love Rory Best. It's a yeah. universal fact. He's got that appeal, hasn't he? Yeah, mm. he's got that kind of like clearly a good man would make a great uncle yes and he'd rescue babies from burning houses <laughs> yeah he's also he's like a front row forward who isn't aggressively violent yeah yeah, yeah. like whereas some of the others i won't mention them they might rescue that baby and then potentially choke that baby right <laughs> yeah. if given you know, the wrong circumstances accidentally whereas, or on purpose yeah or just elbow drop it and you know whatever. <laughs> yeah. but rory yeah he's got that nice warm feeling isn't he yeah, he's got yeah. he's got the look of like a sort of one of those sort of village church bell gents. <laughs> yes, he has, doesn't he? That warmth. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, yeah. So like, like, before, I don't think I've mentioned this on the podcast or anything before. Before, before I was doing all of this, before I was doing any of the squid rugby stuff, before I made the before first you video took the world by storm, can I say whatever? Whatever you. that. <laughs> Thank you. That's Jesus. before people being far too kind to me about <laughs> making some silly videos. And everyone um, was just bullying you instead. Yes, I tell yeah. you what. In all in all seriousness, there's a world before rugby content. Squid, you're almost like the sort of ad. <laughs> I'm really not. So that would be what would that be before could be, BS? That'd be not that BS. That's that awful. You don't want it to be that. It is BS. But before can we, hang on, could not be can more we, perfect. Can we get Paul on every week, please? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. There is with before that, you know, rugby content was you know what it was, and it was mm. traditional, even though. And then you've taken it forward a lot, man. You've got a lot to be proud of, a pair of you. Oh, thank you, thank that's, you, Paul. That's, really that's very nice. nice. You, you're yeah, saying sorry, before you yeah, started before, this. Before I start, no, that's, that's really lovely. Um, before yeah, I start this, yeah, my boss used to be Rory Best's wife's cousin. Jesus. Um, and so she one day just said to me, like, oh, Robbie, you like rugby, don't you? And I was like, yeah, yeah. He's like, have you ever heard of a player called um, Rory Best? <laughs> yeah, once like, or twice. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's the island captain. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And she went like, oh, well, I just found out. So my, so my cousin's husband, it was like, oh, just over Christmas. 
I was just chatting to him. I've always just known him as Rory, and I only just found out he's a rugby player. And it turns <laughs> out he's Rory Best. Yeah, he's one of the best rugby players on the planet, mate. Yeah. That's yeah. who he is. But for a time, he was one of the best soccerers in the world. He really yeah, had. oh, I love you know, Rory for Best. 18 months, you know, that's quite a long time in Tesla. I, I am I am basically a mum with how much I love Rory Best. <laughs> yeah, I know. He's a, Yeah, he really is up especially. I don't know. It's tricky doing it because you always tend to, when you measure those boys at the top, top level, it always comes down to that lion stuff. Yeah. Because you end up filtering all the way to the top. Yeah, and then yeah, it's, yeah. Oh, God, did they really do but it like, at that level? But The thing I loved about Roy Best, though, is he was a great lion for how seriously he mm. took being a second teamer. He took being a midweek yeah. teamer. Great midweek <laughs> captain. Yeah, like, yeah. He will always kind of go down in my mind as a great lion for the fact that even mm. though he wasn't making the test team, he consistently captained that That's midweek it. team and, and did a great job and took it very seriously and kind of yeah. took like young players under his wing and so on. Uh, he some... Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And people talk about that like it's a bad thing because he was a world-class player who had the ability to be a test lion, obviously. Mm. But the fact that he was still playing very well, just only well enough to be the midweek captain and a brilliant one at that, pretty goddamn commendable. I know. Think of that level just to be... Yeah. <laughs> Do you know, I always mention 1% this. 1% off. Yeah. 1% off, right? That That's like just not being in the SAS, right? And that means mm. you don't want to mess with those lads. Yeah. yeah. You know, where I come, you know, where you guys and we come from in South Wales, there's a rugby club every mile and a half. Yeah. Quite literally, right? Where I live, maybe every two miles. You've got Gowden, you've got Bonalla, you've got Dunford, you've got Penclouth. And then a lot of those filter through. I don't know anyone, right? I'm 45. None of my friends or any direct acquaintances ever played full caps for Wales, Mm -hmm. right? And then you imagine that level where you're good enough to get through to be a British lion. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And then, you know, then oh, you're only a midweek lion. Well, I tell you what. (laughs) You take it. Well, midweek lion, what? You know, that's that's the pinnacle. Like, I last year met someone who played Leicester Tigers Academy with Freddie Stewart and said, like, mm. even at that level, he was completely dominant. Yeah, I like, can imagine. There was players that kind of go on to hit that standard are unplayable, even yeah. at the highest possible yeah. youth levels, you know? And like, yeah, yeah. I know, Will, you played against a handful of like. Yeah, I played against like Paolo Dogwood. Paolo Dogwood. Yeah. Um, from from Wasps, Jesus. and he was he was a handful. Let me tell you yeah. that much. <laughs> and like we played against, we played in a te- yeah. we played in a touch rugby tournament a couple of years ago, like before COVID. Yes, and we found out on the day that one of the teams we were against had two Loughborough Lightning players. Yeah. Oh my god! And, and obviously tell you what, they ripped us to fucking <laughs> shreds. <laughs> we got battered. Yeah, you will. Because yeah. <laughs> it's a different level. Yeah. yeah, you know, and if you meant you know someone like Freddie Stewart now, he's different yeah. level even in the elite level. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's gone straight in. I can't remember many fullbacks who take the ball down like that. Yeah, yeah exactly. And I can't remember a fullback as good as him, as young as him. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because he's like, already not making mistakes. Yeah. yeah. Normally, he, you, is, this is your mistake two or three that's seasons. That's it. Isn't it. Like, he's a world-class high ball merchant, which means that if people mark him a bit more heavily, then who cares? Because he carries the ball like... You know, a good number eight ten years ago will have. Yeah, and he's so like so right, unbelievably yeah. strong that it just doesn't matter. Like how yeah. heavily people want to mark and him. Like, fantastic, Fred Stewart. Stuart Hogg and Lee Halfpenny were both extremely good at his age, right? But Halfpenny mm. was extremely good as a winger, and Hogg was still making the odd error under the high ball yeah. and defensively yeah. and stuff. But it was a bit flashy. Stewart isn't. Yeah, no. like it's at amazing. All. Yeah, uh, yeah, at go all. On. 
No, not at all. No. I was just having a little daydreaming about Freddie Stewart then. <laughs> I was gonna say, before we before we get on to the game that we're covering, I want to quickly bring in the fact that we've almost got you on a complete inopportune week here, Paul, because oh, yeah. it's very, very topical, as Robbie alluded to earlier, that there are many, many Paul Williamses in the world, oh, uh, one of whom being the, the referee who had a perfectly fine game on the weekend. Uh, he uh, did. You know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, but the other one, of course, we've talked about at length on this podcast, having done the 2011 series that we have spent a series talking about a Paul Williams before in the former Samoa fullback. Right so now I'm he's the like number you... one Paul Williams as far as I'm Yeah, yeah. He was a poor oh man. I tell you, he what, was a great player. If yeah. he'd have played in a different, you know, he was a quality, quality fullback. If he hadn't yeah. got nudged out with that kind mm. of ABC, he'd have. Um... Yeah, but that was in that era where if you were a fullback playing for the All Blacks you were just lining up in a car park. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, now is your chance to either confirm nor deny that you are that Paul Williams? I'm not him. Okay. Um, I'm that, Sadly, I thought I was the third best Paul Williams involved in rugby. I think I'm down to about eighth now. <laughs> there was there's an outside half from Neath, fullback Meba Vale, a couple <laughs> who played rugby in or around Gloucester, elite level. <laughs> And this okay. is without all the amateurs, of yeah. which there'll be thousands of them. Thousands. So it's, uh, yeah, it's what? been a good kick in the eagle windpipe this week. It's been fantastic. <laughs> it did come up the other week on this podcast, you... actually, that the, the England flyer, Peter Williams, the commentator accidentally called him Paul Williams. There we go. So it's kind of like they're well, just trying to dig you down further. Here. That's me down Have the you... ninth. <laughs> Have you been mixed up with the guy who wrote the songs for the Muppet movies much? Yeah, quite yeah. often. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, so I've had a couple of, you get, and there's also an Irish political journalist. Oh, really? Right, who, does, who doesn't just do, you know, matters of admin and national governance. He deals with Irish mafia. <laughs> right, so he's got, like, threats on his head. I've had a couple of those. Jesus, Jesus well, quite, Christ. Oh, oh Christ. yeah, so I'll quite often get the odd, I'm not even going to say it on you, but yeah. things. Jesus. They must clearly go on Twitter and see at the Paul Williams. Think, yeah, that's the Paul Williams. It's got to be him. And yeah. I've got a face that people will want to punch. So as soon as they see my face, they just go, well, we'll either punch that or shoot that. And then, yeah, they're done then. And, they, and then they don't get to see all my overuse of metaphor and double line spacing. It's a yeah. real shame, really. Maybe that's it. Maybe they just really hate double line spacing. Yeah. They're just punctuation, <laughs> like yeah. Nazis. <laughs> I am hearing you speak here, Paul. I am inserting them manually in my head as we go along. <laughs> I'm punctuating your every sentence. I know. Do you know? And I only started doing that because when phones came out, they were a lot smaller. Mm. And my day job, I'm a creative director of an advertising agency. So rugby's like my part-time job. And, you know, whenever you do ads, you space them so people mm. can read them in chunks, which is why mm. I started doing it. And then it became a oh. thing. It works for you, though, Paul. It's your niche. Yeah. And then it became a thing. And then, you know, you can never have too many things. That's it. That's it. I mean, I've, I've, I've realised since getting into the whole rugby Twitter scene in the last couple of years, that if I double space something, I go, no, it's too much like Paul Williams. I can't do that. I can't <laughs> yeah, be stealing yeah. his ways. Stealing his brand. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll be done for plagiarism. Like. No. Always be different. I always remember being told that by an old creative director. Whatever you mm. do, be different. Love it. Yeah. Love it. And it sort of sort of works. Yeah. Got you got, got us all this far. It's some podcast. Correct. That's why I'm on you, exactly. So yeah, you mentioned the, obviously you have memories of this World Cup. Yeah, I do. Yeah. 
I'm just wondering what you're kind of like, as someone that is obviously, as we all are, more used to modern rugby, how was going back to this World Cup from how many ever years ago? Do you know what? I'm always a little bit confused by it because most of my rugby heroes, like the proper big ones, Mm. played in that era. Mm. Right? So, you know, people like Jeffy, Jonathan Davis, that was their kind of era and people like Serge Blanco. Mm. And then it's tricky because when you listen to a certain age group of rugby fans now, say if Mm. they're over 60, they laud that era like it was the greatest time in history, which if you watch back, it wasn't. Yeah. Right? So I'm always torn when I watch it back because in some ways it's better, but in some ways it looks really, really amateur. Yeah. And, you know, the amount of turnovers from possession, just dropping balls. I don't mean from line outs. Just mean, you know, offloads. There's no one on each shoulder. There's no diamond sort of behind you. Mm. It's literally flung. So I'm always torn. But then after the 80 minutes, I always love it. Mm. And it's, <laughs> yes. So that's that's sort of where I am with it, you know. I think that's been the fascinating thing about watching this whole tournament back is every game produces great highlight reels, but that's they're the not thing. necessarily entertaining to watch. Yeah, and when, yeah. That's the thing. And when people look back, they only see the highlights. Yeah. 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 And you look at the amount of like promising attacks that are eventually the last pass is dropped or it's intercepted or something like that happens. And you realize, like, oh no, there's 80 minutes worth of this. And you condense that yeah. down to six minutes. It looks amazing. Yeah. It looks amazing. You know, there was a there was a piece in there where just out of nowhere, a player would take a blindside option straight into touch. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the run little t- switch on a counter yeah, attack, straight, don't they? Yeah, like the, the switch option isn't there now in the five meter channel, and it, I'd argue it was never there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's very, we'll very run funny. a switch there, and we'll just run straight in a touch. Yeah, it's whereas phenomenal. now you'd be dropped. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you yeah. were test wing or scrum half and went it's straight in a touch, that rather yeah, you don't understand what's going on. You won't play again. The touch, the yeah, kicking just... the ball out one yard in front of you. Yeah. <laughs> And that, and the other, the other big thing is how much ball is kicked. Yeah. Mm. So particularly in that game that we're going to talk about now, the first half in particular, all right, you know, it's a World Cup semi-final. That's yeah. a big thing. You probably are going to kick an awful lot of ball, but that isn't the rugby you're led to believe that was played all of yes. the time. That's it. Yeah. You know, you look, you know, God, Campesi, who is one of the best attacking wings from that period, probably the mm. best. I, you know, I'd say overall. Yeah. He probably kicked his first five touches from six. Yeah. And Michael Liner, who's a fantastic player, you'd expect the 10 to kick a lot. But there was an awful lot of kicking from midfield. I don't think we saw the outside backs for the first probably 25 minutes. You know, mm. it's, um, yeah. Makes you realize that a hat territory's always been key. Yeah. <laughs> you know, territory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spot no on. Matter, spot on. No matter what else happens, territory, especially with the lightning notes back then, I mean, just like a. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Complete lottery. Pre-lifting. Yeah. Pre-lifting. Yeah. It's amazing. And that's why you kicked the touch, though. Yeah. yeah. Because it was just like a coin flip. Yeah. yeah. It didn't matter if you ran out because you had 50 yards to get the ball back. There's one point yeah. where I have it written down with, in the first half. And I know we'll get on to the teams and the game itself and everything. But like the point where I had written down that because Australia's kicking game was so great that I thought if there was what? lifted lineouts in here, oh they God. would be all over them. Yeah. 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 Totally. And especially with the size of those locks at the time, because they're yeah. about 14 stone. <laughs> yeah. But six foot six, you could lift, you know, that's, you know, the locks of that age, they were light, you know, they weren't clear and out. Yeah, locks. yeah. You yeah. know, rucks, rucks were cleaned out with feet then. 
you know, and that they just were. Yeah. yeah. So should we look at the uh, the two teams? Yeah, let's get it. Because I think so. Australia pick largely the same team. Uh, I think it's just Troy Coker comes in at number eight for the injured Jeff Miller. And otherwise, they pretty much stick as they are. Nick Far Jones recovers, meaning that Eddie Jones can rest easy that Brian Smith's left on the bench. Yes, um, yes. <laughs> it's, it's a team that sort of each player in that back line and the majority in that that forward pack has come into form as the World Cup's gone on, I think. Yeah. So it's a really exciting team on paper. And you look at that and think, like, oh, that's a quality team, you know, with Patworth and Slack in the centres, the Burke, Grigg and Campesi back three. It's a really strong and exciting team going to the semi-final. And that they keep Campesi at fullback as well, which was kind mm. of controversial at the time. And there was a lot of talk in the kind of Australian press leading into this of how they basically didn't like how this Wallabies team was playing because they were kicking too much and they weren't running the ball constantly. Right. And they were kind of very controversial for that, for the fact that, you know, they were playing a far more conservative brand of rugby. And there was, in the lead up to this, there was one of the Australian papers described this as basically going to be a Five Nations game because Australia are basically an English <laughs> or Scottish team in terms of how much they're really good, though. Yeah. Yeah, correct. God, that's so interesting. Yeah. And so it kind of, it's it's a lovely bit of context as well for those first kind of 20 minutes where Australia are kicking a lot and do get really on top. But yeah, some of the, Paul, just like looking through that team, I suppose the pack are lesser known, but like that Australian backline is full of players who you kind of hear about in hushed tones. Yeah, totally. And, you know, there were three or four in there who then went on to make it through to like 1995, 1996, you know, they went. Yeah. God, I remember Michael Liner when he signed for Saracens. Mm. Right, so that's how long after this? Ten? That's ten seasons after this, probably. Jeez, yeah. I yeah. think you know, him and Sal. Ten seasons, yes. Nineteen ninety-six, I think, or nineteen, yeah, nineteen ninety-six, ninety-seven, and then Fit and Salah joined him, and that was mm. almost the start of Saracens being that force that yeah. they then became. Yeah, without salary um. caps. <laughs> <laughs> but uh. they, you know, they were the two that convinced a lot of other people t- to show up. You know, if you've got mm. those two. Mm. You know, God, I think Salah had 111 caps in the end. Yeah. Which Who's when you, when I, you know, back in those days. That's insane. Know, that, yeah. That's pre-November internationals. Yeah. That's one less fixture in the Six Nations or whatever you call it then. Yeah. But, I want know, to say to Campo a got 101 as well. So like. Think of prob- that. That's insane in in this day and age. Well, and it shows kind of the longevity of those players. Yeah. Salah was the first player to have 100 caps. And he said on the occasion of his 100th cap that this game, this game against Australia in 1987, was the best game he ever played in. Was it really? Uh, which is something that he's, he's stood by ever since. Yeah, uh, he thinks this was the best game he's ever played. Andrew Slack said the same thing. He felt this was the best game he ever played in. Michael Liner said it was one of the best. So, so, so did David Campese. Uh, That's so interesting. Liner's really, really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Simon Podovan, who I mentioned in the previous podcast, who has had all sorts of weird financial misgivings since his career ended. He said in that autobiography where he doesn't confess to it, that he thinks this is maybe the best game of rugby ever played. And he played in it, so he's not biased at all. Um, (laughs) Good lad. That's like like Norman Wisdom, right? Being on Desert Island Discs. And when he could take in three of his records, he picked all of the songs written and sung by his good self. <laughs> That's very good. Same thing as Francois Truffaut had to name his favorite films, and he named three of his own in his top ten. Good lad. Like you know, respect yeah. it. Respect it's all it. about yeah. the repeat fees. What are you? Yeah. What, what are your top two YouTube videos? Robbie? Me? Oh, um, I'm, I'm putting Squidge on the spot. Yeah, I would. 
Uh, I'm a really big fan of James Haskell running into the posts. Okay, okay. Um, and an even bigger fan of Toby Flood running into the posts. Oh, so they top two. You not pick one Squid Rugby video? I don't know what that is. Oh, okay. Just stay That's away from it. Okay. <laughs> so, My so favourite two oh, are Jonah Lomo's highlights one and two, and I'm not even joking. <laughs> I love it. I, I, love watch it. I watch him twice a month. Whenever I feel down, I just flick on his highlight reel. <laughs> Reminder, get Paul back on in 1995. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big fan of Jonah Lomo. Should we, look, should we look at a French team? Sure, yeah. I mean, yeah. teams we're big fans of. It's absolutely fucking stacked, this team is. It's <laughs> yeah. unbelievable. Like, And again, like, there's very few of these players I knew quite how good they were before watching this World Cup. But as I say, France have had a very easy ride so far in yeah. this tournament. But you look at that, you look at Serge Blanco, obviously one of the, the greatest fullbacks to ever play, and yeah. has, just has shown all tournament how great he is. And it's great that Didier Canberra-Bero gets a start on the wing after having previously broken the record for most points scored in the game uh, yes. earlier in this and tournament. Dropped. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, because he usually plays fullback, so they yeah. just kind of thought like, "Oh yeah, well you played basically the best game anybody's ever played at international level there." But we do have Serge <laughs> Blanco, so on the bench you go, son. So it's good that he gets a start. They also move Frank Manzel in from twelve to ten mm. in a classic French move to bring in Denis Chavez. So French, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> he's just like forced to move up. You know what? Was playing twelve all season. Had been really settled into twelve, playing for Racing that year, and then for the semi final, they went. You know what? You're a ten now again. Good luck. My God. Other thing I found out about Frank Manzel is he's become famous for wearing stripy scarves on French TV as a pundit. Oh wow! So there you go, Good lad. It's kind of like nice. his French scarves become iconic. It's uh, the yeah, Paul, we love it's like hear. the fourth. But best you know the other. Way. <laughs> Fucking hell, that was a long time ago. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, go te- I'm all in tennis shorts now, in tennis tops. It's middle <laughs> age. Yeah, but, the, you know, a little hub of that team were key in setting up that French rugby fashion label, of course. What the hell were they called? I've forgotten that. With the little pink bow tie. So yeah, they played yeah. from Stad. So Menel was key to that. And it was, uh, wow. so, yeah. So they were, um, you know, that, and I think that French team there, they are the French team that my dad still lords and yeah, wants yeah. back, you know, the Cellars and the Chavez and those guys just slinging it around and which we sort of are nearly back to, but just with I a think, with with just with a probably a meteor pack. Weirdly. I think that's it. I think that's where we're at now. We've now finally got another French team that's gonna kind of replace them in the memory. Like they're yes, yeah, I think yeah. you're right. And do you know what, Squidge? I'll always remember you saying after I don't know how many under-20s championships mm. they were. I remember you saying, you watch this group of French youngsters, right? And yeah. they will challenge for the World Cup in their country. And I remember favouriting it and thinking, right, I'll have a, I'll keep a little eye on this. And I tell you what, you're not far away. <laughs> yeah, You are not far away now. That French under-20s I... team from, the, what was that, 2018, 19, mm. maybe? Yeah, it must have been 18, 19. It's unbelievable, where they had like Roman Untermack, Cameron Wokey, you know, even like even like players like Louis Carbonell, who haven't quite cracked the national team, yes. are phenomenal players. Yeah, it's but you see how well, what's many Carbonell games is he fourth choice? So, yeah, it's stupid, <laughs> isn't it? Like, <laughs> yeah, well done. Like tough gig being stuck behind Roman Untermack and Mathieu Jalibert. Like, yeah, yeah. How are you supposed to crack like, that team? We were having this conversation the other day, just as we do, of like, oh, if you name your World Fifteen of players under twenty-three, 
and we were kind of thinking for a while, like, oh, do you put Marcus Smith? I don't know. Yeah, going back and forth on like, yeah, yeah Garbizzi. We were kind of talking about, and then we remembered Roman Undermax twenty one. He's, he's a bit older than he that, is, isn't he? Oh, is he 22? I think um, he's 23 now, but he still th- fits the threshold. He's 14, it turns insane. out. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, just, he's turned 23. He's 23, sorry. Okay, still. He's still stupidly young. Stupidly yeah. like, That's ridiculous. Yeah. That's like, George North. That's sort of like George North years. Yeah. yeah. You know, like when you measure dog years and it's, you don't realise how old they are. <laughs> it's the same thing with George North. Yeah, he's, like, he's had 100 North. caps. He's only, he's only five. <laughs> I can't get my head around him being like a dad with a beard now. I know. George North. Do you know what? He's any he, talk about a player who's turned his career around. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I genuinely thought with, I'm not <laughs> gone off topic again now, but you did say. Yeah. Yeah. But there's a player I that mission. I thought with concussion as it is, I thought he would just leave that be. Yeah. And I still wonder about that sometimes. But the yeah. switch to center. Yeah. Totally rejuvenated him. Yeah, and I really also think the you can't underestimate the difference Toby Boots made in his career as well. Oh, yeah, because um, he looked miserable playing rugby. Yeah, he did until yeah. Booth took over and like yeah. it's the thing that stood out most rather than like results on the pitch is like whenever the Osprey was behind the scenes stuff, all the yeah. players look genuinely happy since he's come in. Yeah, like he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. And the same with Cuthbert. Yeah, mm, yeah. You know, yeah. Now you look at Cuthbert. Talk about a career turn, man. Yeah, I mean I've. I know the, the Welsh press and fans, they could be septic beyond at the best of times, but yeah. I've never seen anyone get it as badly as Cuthbert. Yeah. Know? Right. In fought the say, since 1987, nobody has been slagged off like that. Mm. Yeah. Like even um, Priestland didn't get it as bad as. No one yeah, near, near, you know, no one near. You know, yeah. I'd say Priestland got away with 50% of the grief Cuthbert got. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, um, it's. It's funny though, because like what you're saying about Cuthbert. With Priestland, who's probably the the natural second choice in that respect, has yeah. also had a comeback in the Wayne Pivak era. Yeah, oh, he's yes, done brilliantly. He yeah, and those two players have both, as you say, like rejuvenated themselves in a big way. To which point, like, am I thinking Priestland as of this episode being recorded, his last touch for Wales was knocking over the winning penalty against Australia. Like, yeah. how great is that? And Cuthbert has been on brilliant form this year since he's come back in. Who yeah. who would have seen that coming? And you know, it's, it, the, the older I get, the more I realise you shouldn't write all the players off. Mm. Right? South Africa are doing it now. You yeah. know, they will quite mm. often maybe. I mean, Stain is probably too far forward, both of them. But tens in particular, they can play way past thirty-four now. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you don't need speed. Yeah, look at Johnny Sexton. The, and he, Sexton. Can, he can basically stand still and just put the ball where he wants. There is no space in those channels. No, yeah, you yeah, can't yeah, go left or right. It doesn't make any difference. Yeah. Whereas if you you know like a mile of it, the Ospreys. Yeah. Barely yeah. moves. Yeah. yeah. But That's it. it's perfect. You could see yeah. Dan Bigger playing for another six or seven years, couldn't you? He could play till he's forty-five. Yeah. Because he's he still will. fast now. Yeah. 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 He, I mean, he still can. You know, he's still triple threat as far as I'm concerned. Mm. You know, kick, pass, run. He can do all three of those. But like you say, yeah, Dan Bigger could play. At least another five seasons test level. There's no one anywhere near him. No, yeah, and yeah. At, the, at the moment because he's so driven. But in a way, now that I think it's like if he stayed driven in the way he was early in his career, he would have burned himself out. But frankly, yeah. he's changed his yes. and He's clearly like far healthier, more balanced as a human being, but still remains as a rugby player incredibly driven and dedicated. Yeah. And yeah. he's and, out with Wales. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. Re- yeah. That genuinely helps. I, think. I always yeah. remember Sean Holly telling me. 
that Dan Bigger snuck his head into their coaching room when he was like academy level or younger. Mm. And he came in and shown all oh, so he said, Oh, so who are you? Then he said, I'm gonna be your next 10. <laughs> Straight up. Brilliant. And he was. The, I mean, the, I always remember it being the thing about a young Dan Bigger was he was always described as a very confident young man. Yes, never shows yeah. some confidence this last yeah. Confident, yeah. Yeah. But you want that, don't you? Of course yeah. you do. You know, when Dan Bigger retires now, everyone will forget about his chops in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? And he's he's a very, there's, a, there's a Swansea word for you now, chops in. <laughs> but everyone will forget that mouth, same as Johnny Sexton. Mm. All of the best try and influence the ref. Yeah. Yeah. Just do. Yeah. You know, it's 10% of the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Look, we love shit out on this podcast. <laughs> oh, me too. I tell you, honestly, I love it. If you can get away with it, get away with it. And it's exactly. gouging and Christ, you know, that's... Yeah, it. yeah. If it's dangerous, if it's, then no. But if yeah. it's dangerous, no. But, you know, especially in the front row, if you can get away with it, get away yeah. with it. It's the, we've d- discussed it before on one of the videos, but the, the recent incident with Darcy Swain and Johnny Hill. And <laughs> Darcy Swain said in his disciplinary, like, I'm really annoyed because he played me. Like he he made yes, he me did. like punch you know punch him um, yeah. by winding me up all game and yeah. that's a failure on my part because he just psychologically yeah. got under me and yeah. it's you know it's like a game of chess in that respect mm. and I love the way he said that and that's two great second rows figuring out how to do each other's jobs is really Lovely. fascinating I think and they used to do it to Genge yeah you mm. know but Genge now calmed down yeah yeah and yeah he's realised if I can keep a lid on this I could get yeah. England yeah. yeah. You know, that's the that's the goal. Remember, remember when a twenty-one-year-old Kyle Sinclair was like seen as this ticking time bomb. He's a completely different player. Feels like twenty-one-year-old Alan Wynne Jones, exactly the same. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Right, I remember him tripping a player. I can't even remember what Dylan Hartley. Hartley, Dylan Hartley, Dylan Hartley, just ridiculous. Yeah, and pointless. And you thought, oh my god, and everyone said he'll never play. Right now, where is he? Yeah, <laughs> I remember that week really well. I uh, remember he hasn't got the, he hasn't got the head for Test rugby. Oh, I think he might have. Yeah, <laughs> 110 <laughs> caps later, <laughs> I think he probably has. But the other thing was that was his last yellow card for Wales until this summer. Until that, the one where he was offside but didn't make a difference to the play, followed by the one where he didn't touch the ball going out of the ruck. <laughs> and um, imagine that as a second row with yeah. grabbing is part of the skill set. <laughs> yeah. it? so you know jumping tackling racket in what's your throw grab like you know <laughs> is it is it expert level there's a bit in one of these in a mall in this game where one of the french second rows i think it's laurel but it it could it could be any of the french pack really yeah wins a turnover by punching someone in the throat <laughs> Like when the Australian has the Look ball at, at the back of a mole and he just punches him in the throat. He kind of fumbles it for a moment. The French checker takes it and runs away with it. It's go. brilliant. I love Phenomenal. it. I love yeah, it. Man. A punch in it. a windpipe, that'll make you drop anything. Yeah. There is there is one point where there was a particular mall where the commentators, French commentators, by the way, which I always mm. have time for, and they said like, oh, le mall. And I was kind of thinking like, you say mall, I, say, I definitely say fight. Like, that's definitely <laughs> that's a punch fight. up. Yeah. And like the yeah. majority of malls were somewhat, I, when I say legal, I mean like there was like a 20% legality to it, you yeah, know? Sure. But then there was just, a, there was that one mall in particular, which as you say, Paul, it, it looked like something outside of Weatherspoons in Cardiff. Yeah. <laughs> Le, Le Wine Street. Yeah. <laughs> Not Le Mall. Yeah. But the rucking is the, is the big difference. Mm. I mean, you measure ruck speed now in, what's a good ruck speed now? Three seconds, 
Yeah. Yeah. Sort of the average, average go under yeah. that. Yeah. You look at rucks then, they're about one and a half seconds. Mm. Because you just you just couldn't be on the wrong side. Mm. Well, they're it's, either um, one and a half seconds or they're about 12 seconds. And there's all no that, yeah. No between, or they turn yeah. into a mall and then back into a ruck and then into a mall. And it's, <laughs> yeah. You don't know what it and is. And then a steady but, pylon, yeah. And it's it's one of those weird things where you look at that ruck speed and you almost, and it's, it's, it, this is almost like this conversation of, you know, should we bring back capital punishment and national <laughs> service? But you almost wonder sometimes if rucking is better than torpedo clean-out. It's yeah, okay. it's, yeah, and the, it's and I can't be because the optics of it are awful. Yeah, but you almost think like you know, just a few studs on the back of the arm is better than being cleaned out by a twenty stone lock. And it's very rare that I look back favorably on on that type mm. of rugby. Yeah, it's a, it's an unusual situation, really. Because you look if you look at rucks now, they're like borderline assault every single yeah. time. When you've got a second row. You know, and back mm. then, r- second rows are what, 6'5 and 15 stone, 15'5. Mm. You know, you look at boys like Rob Norster and those guys, they are my size, mm. right? If you look yeah, at, yeah. if you put me now next to a modern test lock, we do not look the same. <laughs> no. Right? And, you know, getting those collisions, people torpedoing through rocks off their feet, clearly using shoulders, which you didn't see then. Mm-hmm. Because no. nobody would jackal because you just wouldn't be that no. stupid. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it takes um, a certain level of bravery or stupidity. But Bezier gets away yes. with it for jackal in the second half, which yeah. is extraordinary. I think he's the only one in the tournament. So yeah. I've not seen one yet. And it's like both these players are kind of like fighting over them, and he kind of gets in and rips the ball away. And you're yeah. like, what's going on? You're yeah, the smallest man on the pitch. Yeah, I think yeah. he's the automatic top jackler in the tournament. It's the French <laughs> just, one. just did one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but Jacqueline wasn't even a thing then. No. I don't really remember Jacqueline as a term until about, like, even 2000, maybe. Mm. Because you I just re- got levelled. <laughs> I remember there being in, like, Rugby World in, like, 2008-ish, when there I was first kind of really paying attention to them, explaining what a jackal was. Whereas now it is a given. Now it is just, like, it's a, a part of the terminology. Yeah. And it's something we talked about in past episodes, that... Whereas, like, the attack you can really enjoy from this area, the one thing it doesn't have is you can't really enjoy watching a team defend in the way you can mm, now. Like, no. you can get really invested in watching your team defend and, like, hold yeah. out for a long period. And the shape um, of it, because there is no shape. No. Yeah. Is no. There, there's, there's nothing at all. No, know, no, no. So. It's kind of improvised, yeah. All I was going to say, on, the only yeah. the only Jacqueline I had back then was Jacqueline Wilson. <laughs> nice, I like that. So, I mentioned the commentators. Yes. We have flamboyant French commentary, which... I would just welcome at any time, especially on Rugby World Cup highlight reels. I'm pretty sure, though, the first thing they say as the team's running out is Daniel Le Broca Le Croissant. And I feel like I've just imagined so, that. It's some kind right. of fever dream. You should mention that, right? Before the ad, this, okay, the recording on YouTube is from ESPN Classic. Yes. Uh, right. Which means, one, at uh, half time, they play the winning try <laughs> and they have like a couple Jeez. of the players talking about it. Which is ridiculous. But also before, I don't know if either of you watched the two adverts to play between the team I, running out. I certainly ad- did. I didn't. I wish I had now. Oh, man. Oh. French advert with just a man shaving. Then his wife is next to him also shaving. Like teaching him how to shave, I think is what the, yeah. the line of that advert was. Yeah. Very interesting. And the thing is, at first, I thought that she was talking like gibberish. And then I remembered, oh, no, we're watching French television here. So, like... <laughs> I can't wait for you to get the World Cup next year. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm gonna <laughs> I have a GCSE in French. And yet I struggled through that advert. 
But then, then they they go to an another ESPN advert yes. of some description. So uh, yes, I ran the YouTube auto translate on this. Oh, right, oh, I oh, that was I good. A trick. So basically, it's a trailer for an upcoming show. They're currently showing the 1987 Rugby World Cup semi-final. Uh, it's a channel where they primarily sh- they said like 6 p.m. every day they show a different classic match, and this is a trailer for tomorrow's. Right, it said this week is very simple via who comes out to talk about them, and then they bring out a guy. And I presume we're supposed to recognize this guy. We don't. Yeah. And then he says, Bonjour, which is hello. He then begins to talk about the game that he's talking about, the historic game that they're talking about, the teaser. And what he says is a player comes at the 62nd minute, is responsible for attempting a penalty at six. Because we have prepared well, we're able to dramatize this kick. It is no longer a banality. Christ. It sounds like one of my columns. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> The voiceover then comes back on, right? And their tease for this game is find the sheik, spelled, you know, like the, the like a sheik. I think sheik cars. Or is, is, that, perfume. Like, is that a Manic Street Preacher's B-side? Find the sheiks. <laughs> find the sheiks. Like, sheik is in the, like... Spell it. That's the easiest way to do it. S-H-I-K-H. Yeah, K-H. Okay. The Arab leader type, oh, whatever. Yeah. So oh find, yeah. not find, not Nile Rogers. I'm going to read Jesus the full Christ. sentence. Find the sheik who leads Syria for Nintendo. <laughs> oh my God. So it sounds like I a have... diplomatic incident waiting to happen. This whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> then, so, then the guy comes back on and says, "I copied the BBC method because it is arguably the best approach." <laughs> and then that's the end of the advert. Okay, so I definitely heard the word aubergine in that ASPN advert somewhere. Aubergine. <laughs> <laughs> How did that get in there? Because that feels very different to what you've just read out to me. But like, oh, when aubergine. I went back to listen to that sentence, it, they definitely sound like they say Nintendo. <laughs> oh, I tell you, this is the insight I've joined for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to give... I thought I was going to come on. You'd be talking about pod systems. Will will be chatting about some new, like, Root for Scrum Hub, sweeping in behind. <laughs> Not a chance. We're talking about Fred. You want to take back what you, you want to take back what you said earlier about rugby coverage changing. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> now is the time. Oh god! Very um, good. One other thing I did notice though about the, when they show the French team sheet on screen, they have the numbers wrong. So when you look through the forwards, it goes eight seven five four six three oh, two yes. one. Yeah, I think it's because of the, the scrum formation that you look at it from the top, you go one, two, three, and then you see oh. six, four, five, seven, eight. There we go. From a bird's eye okay. view. That yeah. makes sense. I've just sense. had to like spell it out with my fingers there, and sadly the listener doesn't get that experience. <laughs> it's confusing. That makes sense. But that yeah, makes sense. it's that still a sense. stupid way to write it out on the television screen, don't get me wrong, especially when that's written out vertically. But yes. So the game starts. The game starts. Finally. And it's an absolute banger, so we'll get into it. France looked good straight from the off. Like, yeah. as soon as... Like, I think it's the first passage playing the whole game. Like, they make a break and they get sort of 20 metres downfield. And like, oh, wait, they're serious about this. And, like, the thing Paul was saying about they recycle the ball really quickly. They do, it's yeah. Ridiculously quick. Which is, like, an insane concept for this World Cup because we've joked so many times before about every time someone gets tackled, the referee just blows the whistle and goes to scrum. <laughs> Whereas this time, instead, France was so efficient in their support play where they could actually recycle and actually turn it into something decent. And, like, yeah. I find that if you can recycle quick ruck ball even today it doesn't really matter how good your shape is you'll still be able to do something with talented players even if you don't have a good shape at all 
if you've got quick rock ball and talent, you'll be able to do at least something. Yeah. 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 Do you know the one thing I really noticed that even the role of the scrum half back then was far more important because mm. a lot of ball just was sl- messy, slow yeah. from line out, from everything. And you, if, as a scrum half, you spend a lot of your time with your back to people trying to kill you. Yeah, yeah. I really yeah, feel yeah. Like them. running back to the... They're and like that's why it, backs at times, yeah. Yeah, and that's why, of course, I think back then, the pass was so important. Mm. So, you know, players like Rob Jones for Wales, for instance, back then. Yeah. You had seconds to get that ball away. Not like now where you've got ruck trains and you've got time to set your feet and your shoulders. Back then, you were probably running back and just zipping balls out and it had yeah. to get to the 10. Otherwise, they mm. were over the game. And I, I think that was really interesting watching, like you say now, about rucks. And in that opening period, the role of the 10, of the 9 then, was re, was not as, as important as, as the 10, but it was, I think, more important than it is now, almost. Yeah. They used to shield an awful lot of shit. Yeah, and yeah. Like, so I've been watching a lot of Georgia from, like, Rugby Up Champions back today. Yeah. And you'd be amazed how often their props step in at Scrum Off and do a perfectly good job. Really? Like mm. that wasn't an option then. Back you know, then, like no. the nine it's a was twenty yard pass. Me. It's a yeah. twenty yard pass, isn't it? Regardless to somebody. Yeah, like, and that is constant. You know, every stoppage, as well as trying to run the kind of support lines and so on as well. Yeah, as you said, I do think I do think that's a very good point. I hadn't really yeah. thought that when watching this back. That yeah, like the nine role is vital. Yes. Yeah, they and seem they to be in strong. the shit yeah. all the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nothing yeah. seems yeah, to be yeah, in yeah. a mess. Yeah. It makes Eddie Jones even more relieved Brian Smith wasn't playing. <laughs> Otherwise, he'd have been dressed up in blue somewhere trying to get a shot yeah. on him. So the next thing that happens in the game, like two minutes in, Michael Liner nails a drop goal from like yeah. 40 yards. Yeah. And the thing I love about this is we've talked about how brilliant the game is already, right? And it's great that there's still somebody just playing off pure vibes because he's got like a pod of forwards outside him off a line out on first phase. And he clearly just ignores whatever they've got pre-called and just go for a drop kick just for banter and absolutely nails it. It's beautiful. And that, that I think that shows that how important that game was, Mm. you know, first world cup semi-final. And the other thing to remember, he's kicking a a mighty multiplex. Yes. Right. So, that's the first ball we ever used as kids. And it was mm. like, it's like kicking a, like a medium-sized mammal, <laughs> right? It's, it's incredibly heavy wow. and you can't do much with it. So if you mm. see boys like that kicking, you know, even some of the goal kicking in the second half, really yeah. impressive to kick a mighty multiplex. Yeah. And those things need to be added into the equation. Like ball, you know, the ball technology back then is not like it is now. It That's was it, um, even more impressive. I've definitely when, underestimated that. <laughs> this podcast. I tell you, if you can pick one up on eBay, right, and, might, and inflate oh. it to the correct... Or if really, you can pick one up, it really off. hurts. It really yeah. hurts. It's like... So Michael Linen nails a goal from his own half in the second half. Like, spoilers. Yeah. I suppose we'll get onto that, because it's amazing. It's massive. Uh, or it's later in this half. Sorry, it's later in the first half, isn't it? But enormous kick. But yeah. like how, you know how when a game's at altitude, you kind of mentally have like 10 metres onto every kicker's range? Yes. Yeah. You think really in this World Cup, we should be kind of reducing 10 metres for the fact that like, they are kicking an armadillo. Yeah, They are hitting a ratosphere yeah. somewhere over there. Yeah. And, it, and then, you know, weirdly, somebody tweeted a picture of Paul Thorburn doing his kick in 
86 or whatever it was, mm. or 87, I can't remember, against Scotland. And me and my little friend, when we were little Matthew Bowen, we lived mm. in Gowett and Paul Thorburn, so we used to catch his training balls. Oh, no way. Yes, yeah, so we in the Welsh school in Gowett. <laughs> So, which was by my friend Matthew Bowen's house. So we, mm. Matthew, used to get one of his other friends every now and again to come and collect Paul Thorburn's balls. Oh. That sounds awful. And that sounds like <laughs> Jimmy Savile. But it was the 80s, 80s. It's the 80s. Yeah, the 80s. Yeah. That's incredible, uh, yeah. though. So we used to, yeah, so we used to catch the balls behind and we did it the week before he made that kick. No way. Yeah, the week I was up there, the week before he did that kick in Scotland. And the, what was weird back then is the trajectory of the ball was so much lower mm. because mm. it was so much heavier. So if you look yeah. at the kicks, the way they clear the post in that match, they're often kind of halfway up the post. Yeah. Whereas now you'll see them and they just clear. They clear the top of the post. They? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. 10 feet or whatever. Yeah, man, I tell you what, those guys kicking those balls. Oof different level what a great a, claim to fame that's that amazing that's, that's amazing so, so if i'm good. honest my friend matthew bowen's got the claim to fame i was the clinger on you were you were there you were there yeah i yeah. was just there hanging that's on. good enough that's Holding good enough yeah. yeah we'll good get time. matthew bowen on another episode after we'll get you on. <laughs> yeah i don't think we'll get matthew on things haven't quite worked out Oh, okay. <laughs> my apologies my swift move swift on. apologies Let's move okay on. cool so my, my next favorite thing right Australia have the ball just as up to 22 and they send old Pat Daddy himself, Brett Patworth, yeah. into contact <laughs> and Franz make a six-man tackle on him. Yes! <laughs> and then what I love, what I love is the fact that I think it's Liner gives Pat Daddy the, the ball who looks at him, sees the six Frencher in front of him and just goes, good luck, son, and passes <laughs> it to him. And it's the definition of a hospital pass. Oh, God, I mean, it. and he literally gets hospitalised from it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is where the term must come from. Yeah, hospital pass. Do you know what that was the other thing? You see a lot of people lying down the floor, on the floor, genuinely on the floor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're not waiting for treatment. They're just waiting for it at the world to just end. <laughs> Isn't it? They are out, out. What? Which you don't tend so... to see now. So, right, here's the, the thing about that, that moment with Brett Patworth, because obviously he goes uninjured. Australia do get a penalty and they kick it and they go 6-0 up from yeah. liner. But, right, this is Brett Patworth's last touch of rugby union. No way! So he takes that ball into contact, gets absolutely smashed by, I kid you not, six forwards, and immediately signs to play rugby <laughs> league like, instead. I've had enough of that. <laughs> like, I am no, done. You. God love him. It's like, you think like about Brands it, right? Less there. I'm like... On. Yeah, a two-man tackle, you go like, oh, one low, one high, one left, one right. You've got six-man tackle, you go right, one for each limb and one for each rib. Yeah, <laughs> one on the forehead. How would you even split a body into six pieces? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> there are only four limbs. <laughs> it's incredible. It's incredible. R.I.P. Brett Papworth's rugby union career after that. Oh, I do not envy him one bit. And yeah, he goes, goes off and he's replaced by Anthony Herbert. Very sad to see Pap Daddy go. Yeah, oh, those Sydney player. Roosters, where he he spends the rest of his career before retiring, age twenty seven. Um, oh, so he, he jumped into league. He, we yeah. went to league, yeah, yeah. So he goes to league after that. that yeah. makes sense. and then became a commentator of rugby league after that. Oh. Um, and commentated for about twenty years. Retired, sort of, or kind of disappeared about five years ago or something. Apparently, mm. oh God bless him. God bless yeah. him. <laughs> now that's who you should get on next. Yes, <laughs> that's a great Trashed show. Out. 
track down the pap. Yeah. <laughs> and we maybe need... the six French forwards as well. Get in here, the six forwards. <laughs> Have a good yeah. reunion. Who mangled him. Yeah. Like what Empire magazine do on like Good the point. 20th anniversaries of movies. Where yeah, they get yeah, the yeah. whole cast back together. We should do this <laughs> for like the 40th anniversary. Yeah, I tell you what, there'd be money in that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me tell you. Right, Brett, you get a slap on each of the six of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Imagine if you could get people back who were involved in famous rugby fights. Oh, and just get them, just get the six of them. Oh yeah, I mean, and here's the thing, right? Once you've got Backy's Boaters number, you've kind of got half your bookings done. <laughs> yeah, got, yeah, yeah. Probably got eighty percent. Yeah, and then maybe Lavanini <laughs> yeah, get him yeah. on for the next twenty years. I mean, he's thrown ninety percent of the punches I've seen in the last sort of ten years. It's a good point because, like, when Gareth Chilcott retired, it's like, well, he's sorted on the after dinner circuit forever. Yeah, when totally, Lavanini yeah. re- retires, oh my you know, God. if somebody goes into this kind of a business and get and starts paying people to, you know, recreate old fights, then he's sort of for life. It's called gonna... the Red Card Podcast. Job yeah. <laughs> people I punched. Instant job at Clinton's. The card Instant <laughs> job at Clinton's. Yeah, he's got he's got his whole family inheritance sorted for the next four generations. Exactly, that. <laughs> that's content. no issue. Yeah, Michael Liner puts in like a, a, an incredible like switch kick fifty twenty two, just completely yes. effortlessly, absolutely it's beautiful. gorgeous. Yeah, uh, out of nowhere as well. Like, and that yeah, was my cause... first instinct when I saw it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's not because like it's now that thing. Now that that's a law, you just yeah. look out for it every single yes, time, all the time, and just yeah. naturally you think. Oh, it's a shame. But I have never been more wrong than I was on that roof. Yes, me too. I've never yeah. been more right, weirdly. It's one of the few times I've ever been correct. Mm. <laughs> I remember remember watching it, you know, in Super Rugby and thinking yeah. that will translate perfectly. Yeah. And it's made such a difference. Just it's, really it's great. I've just really, bringing really up, just bringing up, on it. Yeah. It's brilliant, man. Just bringing up the odd wing and it's fantastic. And we've discussed yeah. this, I think, before on the podcast, but one thing I really like is that it's helping kind of, it helps the casual fan enjoy kicking a bit more because you have that moment of adrenaline, mm. of, of serotonin when your team hits a 50-22. Yeah. And you're like, oh, that's brilliant. That's what they're trying to achieve by kicking it into the corners. Yeah. The it's, like like... The Hail Ma- it's like the Hail Mary in an NFL, isn't it? It's that yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. one in 15 that you go, oh, yeah, yeah. that's a good, that's... and do you know what? Rugby needs more casual fans than it's got. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, like, yeah. That love Massively. those big things. It's, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's important. You need more moments to get people off their feet. Yes, yeah. you do. And especially stuff that you can chuck in like three minute content. Yeah, you know, like, yeah, yeah. That aren't big hits because that isn't, the, well, that isn't the way the game should be. Because it can be, be a game swinger though, can't it? Yeah. yeah. Well, like, so and it's correct. also the same thing we were saying about how you could enjoy defence before, but you didn't necessarily, no, sorry, enjoy tap before, but you didn't necessarily have anything to watch for in defence. Like, yeah. the addition of the 50-22 save as well has been really mm, fun. Yeah, I like, love that. Stuart Hogg's against England and so on. Are like, yeah, man. Fantastic moments. Totally. Yeah. And, like, imagine the, like, Matsushima's one from his own goal line yeah, against Ireland. Ireland. Yeah. Like, if that was, if that had the added pressure of being a 50-22 as well, imagine how much more spectacular that moment would have been. It's that one and a half seconds you get where the man is racing the ball to the touchline. Yeah, and, the <laughs> and it's just <laughs> your heart's in your mouth. It's incredible. I love it. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that's why I'm all for bringing the crowd in tighter to the touchline. Remember when Shaquille O'Neal used to do the same thing in the NBA and then jump into the crowd and just wipe out like six pensions? (laughs) That's another level, isn't it? You know, if you've got a second row doing that, you know, 
No telling who he'll knock out. We should have sent those six French forwards onto Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> we go. Do you know what? They'd, he'd just flick them away like yeah. flies. <laughs> Close to an even fight, but my suddenly. God. I've never, still never seen anything like that man in my life. <laughs> what an athlete. I was going to say, speaking of uh, like insane kicking, there was a point where so Didier Cambarabero gets the ball, gathers it in his own 22 and thinks, right, let's absolutely thump this downfield. And he does. And the camera swings over and you see the ball bouncing on the touchline, like in the opposition 22. And you think, yes. my God, what a kick. And then the camera swings back and the touch judge stood right next to where he kicked it, just holding his flag up like, no, this is where it went out. And you think, oh. you couldn't be bothered to run 50 yeah. metres, could you? <laughs> Too tired. Yeah, you just go, no, 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 ball went out here, mate. I don't know what you're on about. It's like, no, you were on the piss last night and you know it. And that could be true. You know, if you think of Serge Blanco, so at the time it was reported that he smoked 60 fags a day, right? Wow. Every day. Even if that's a lie and you halve it, that's yeah. still 30. It's insane. Right? That's a lot of fags. And in France, there have probably been gitan, which are filterless. <laughs> and he's a, you know, <laughs> can you imagine? Yeah. It's insane. And the yeah. thing is, like... So if you're a linesman, I think... he's probably smoking bongs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> probably had a cigar before kickoff. Cigar, a couple of bongs, and then, you know, half an E, and on he goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A quick few sherries before kickoff, and you're <laughs> fine, <laughs> like... So the referee, right, is listed in all the programmes as being Brian Anderson of Scotland. Right. right. But he's wearing a WOU jumper. Yeah, I was this, to say. This is the only bit that I managed to research, and I was hoping you two had missed it, and you have. <laughs> Okay. And it's my only moment because you'll outshine me all pod. Oh, this. I, I right. already right. don't think that's I'm going to mute myself so you have your moment. Here. <laughs> right. Do you know, the reason was because the blue shirt would have been a colour clash. Oh. Right? Because I thought that it was Derek Bevan. Yeah. My picture yeah. was so pixelated. And then I looked it all up and then it, and then it was one article. And it said, mm. just before the game, I was told by TV, you can't wear blue. So you'll have to go on in a, in whatever we've got and he went on in that wow and that's why yeah this is it's the original granny gate scandal exactly. <laughs> yeah and he was told if you when you want to run around so people don't think that you're welsh or played for wales to cover the badge but of course you can't cover a badge <laughs> no, for, for running around minutes. and like, following there, like some, of the, some of the fastest wings of all time just <laughs> you know yeah just run with one hand and just you've got a whistle like... <laughs> Looks yeah, like his boob hurts. That's amazing. Yeah, exactly. That's there. Yeah, so that was why color clash. That's very good. Thank you. That's, oh, excellent so, insight there, Paul. Tell you yeah. what. Yeah. Uh, so, so I, I feel think, quite proud now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you should. should. <laughs> so you should. <laughs> One thing I think it was quite interesting. I don't know if we picked up on this before, but Pierre Babesio throwing into lineouts. Yeah. yeah. French yeah. nines used to do that. Right. Yeah. Is this like a common thing of like? Yeah, yeah. when I when I right. right, so this is pre my rugby awakening, mm-hmm. but scrum halves used to throw in and then loop around and take the ball. Right, seven mm. style. Yeah, so in yeah. loop and around. Right, okay, which, is, which still makes sense really because they're the, one of the best does. ball handlers on the field. Yeah, and if you if you really it's one of the notes that I'd made. If you look at the hookers throwing in then. I would describe the ball flight as hopeful. Yes. Right. Yes. So it, it it isn't like a direct spiral. I'm hitting this. It's like a little. Whoa. So right. like, <laughs> where's that going to go? And it's that's probably why. 
Australia's like, Tom Lawton is quite rare in the fact that, like, as a hooker in this tournament, he spins the ball when he throws mm, it in. There we he's go. Like, Most of them just kind of lob it. it. Yeah. 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 And they throw it without spin. It's like a flat yeah. sort of, almost like a, like a poor shot put. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Where's Shauna Brown when you need her? Teach to what the dick. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> Get the ball in. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a, France have a couple of attacks around this time that are very, I mean, Philippe Seller's ability to throw a dummy is a beautiful thing that I could watch all day. It's ridiculous. so nice. Yeah. Like, yeah. he convinces you as a viewer that he's going to pass the ball, like, yeah. most yeah. times. And it's just one of those lovely things. Like, he sells it with his eyes and his head and everything. Like, it's all so crafted and considered. And it's just, you could watch it all day. Yeah. It's a full body dummy, isn't it? Yeah. It's the, the everything's going. Yeah. James Hook used to have that. Mm. He did, yeah, yeah, yeah. Proper full body, you know. Yeah, yeah. I am doing this. No, so I'm not. I've been told by a lot of teammates that my one trick is the show and go. And James mm. Hook was actually the player I learned that from. There we go. Um, Beautiful. Was, you know the way that he used his full head and like say what you want about James Hook throughout his whole career, he always had a good dummy on him. Oh, um, yeah, always. Yeah, and it's it, the way he he sells it with his hips and everything, and I can't quite describe how it. But every time I throw a dummy, I think I'm trying to copy James Hook here. Yeah, um, <laughs> and it's the same yeah. with Phil Bennett. It's all the hips go yeah. first. Yeah, yeah. Then the head, and then it's uh, you don't see it too much now, I suppose, because that space doesn't really exist. Yeah, yeah. But it's like a credible threat, is it? If you've That's dummy, it, you're yeah. just going to get smashed. And there's a lot of people think like a dummy is, you know, you're just kind of hitting and hoping that they fall yes. for it. But actually, you actually, it's it's a whole process of trying to convince the opposite player that you're actually going to pass the ball. Totally. You almost have to be considering, like you want to be genuinely thinking, I'm going to pass this ball and then deciding at the last second, like, no, 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 yeah. I'm not. And, then and you, get, you had that with Seller. He was always looking yeah. to actually release the outside man. And because his passing ability was so genuinely great, just defenders would just slack and hold off him all the time. Hey, the slack slack. Slack. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. It's a, he's a cra- he was always a credible threat, wasn't he? That's it. Yeah. I suppose that's, that's, I always think of that. I remember Ben Kay using that word about two, and I've nicked it. Are you a, <laughs> are you a credible threat? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we saw on the weekend with Argentina. Mm. That, you know, the Kiwi backline now. And I am a Kiwi sycophant, right? And I won't apologize. Right? <laughs> Please I don't. love I love the All Blacks, right? Yeah. Always have done. And I hate watching them play like they are now. Mm. But they are back like no longer represent a credible threat, do they? No. 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 Right. So you've got, you know, Havili and Awani. They aren't credible threats at twelve mm. and thirteen. It's... So it's pointless throwing dummies there. No one's buying it. Yeah. I but, don't um... I mean I don't rate David Havili as a twelve at all. I don't um, think anyone does. No, mm. except and I, that's awful because he's such a good player. He's yeah, such he a good is. player, and it's such a waste. I, like I just so my theory is rather than positionally, I think they're using him wrong. You know, yes, just, they are. That you know, they're just trying to use him as kind of a crash ball merchant kind of yeah. thing. But actually, he's got great hands. He's got a really good boot on him. Yeah, like, he kicks. Yeah, he he could be a really good twelve. He could yeah, be an yeah. even better fullback. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. yeah. But the, I don't know why. I still don't know why they let Lamarpe leave. Yeah, yeah, hell of a player. that was ridiculous, right? You know, picking Sonny Bill Williams in that squad over Lamarpe. I think that's short sighted. Mm. Yeah, um, he's a brilliant player. Yeah. Yes, uh, and then Lamarpe. you know you've got Geordie Barrett, who mm. to me looks like a twelve all day long. Yeah, mm. <laughs> I've been playing in the twenties there a lot. Yeah, he came through as a you twelve, know, didn't he? Yeah, if Geordie Barrett, even if he get everything wrong in midfield 
it'll take two of you to drop him. Yeah. He's yeah. massive, Jordy Barrett. Like he's when you look sick, at him. Like he's proper six five. Yeah. And properly sixteen and a half, seventeen stone. Yeah. You know, and I think that's what they're missing. And I, I know mm. what you're saying about Havili. But you need a credible threat, don't you? Yeah. 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 And you know, um, they haven't like, had that since Nonham, really. No, mm. no, and it, like and the, the no one does. Yeah, this yeah, Nonham is like yeah. maybe the best twelve he's the, ever been. He's like, the best yeah. twelve I've ever seen. Yeah, so, it's I, obviously I difficult think, to compare anyone to Nonu, isn't it? It's yeah. literally the biggest boots to fill. Look, the San Diego I, Legion are going to struggle to replace him as well. They you know? certainly so, are. I mean, look, leave us alone. We've got Tian Lutz, all right. <laughs> <laughs> and do you know what's lovely about watching? I'm doing your. I'm on tangent then. Please, please, yes, please um, do. But that's what's lovely to watch Karevi now because he's yeah, doing yeah. exactly what Nonu did. The, so the transformation he, of Simon Karevi is doing things to me. You know, yeah. He was initially all crash ball, yeah. all yeah. ass and legs and a front. We've and had so many. He's yeah. dribbling balls through in the channel. It's ridiculous. He's zipping, like mysteries out. Yeah. We've had so many conversations, me and Robbie have, about Samu Karevi being like really overrated like several I years ago. remember the Whereas World now having a conversation with an Australian fan about how, if offered both players, I would have taken at the time Owen Watkin over Samu Karevi. And now that sounds. I do not, daft, I do not feel it? that way now. No, Simon Karevi is one of the best centers on the planet. Like easily, yeah, if not the best is. twelve. Yeah. And how old is he? He's still got a he's like, lot. Yeah, of like twenty-seven, twenty-eight, 28 I think. I yeah. yeah. So he'll go till 32, 33 because he's not a player based 20. on pace. Yeah. No. You know. So yeah, yeah. brilliant. And he's already in Japan. Like <laughs> you know, he's not mm, going to disappear after it. You know. Yeah. Well, and I tell you what, if you're looking to, you know, kick your career on, that Japanese chunk, mm. that's the key to longevity. Yeah. Mm. You know, you do, you know, I'm not denigrating that league, but the contacts are less. Yeah. You know, when the impacts are less and it's a good, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I, I saw a picture of my dearly departed Hadley Parks today. Oh. And the difference in size now compared yeah. to what he was when he was playing over here, he doesn't need to be mm. that weight. Yeah. Right, yeah, so to really me, interesting. to me, he looks like he's lost. This is anecdotal and based on me being a dick, but <laughs> it looks like he's lost a stone and a half. Yeah, mm. that's mad. Like maybe yeah. two stone. Yeah, you know, you don't need that weight over there. I decided, by the way, that the Wild Knights are my team in the, the top league because of Hadley oh, Parks. There we um, go. I I love that man as, as well as you do. Team. Yeah, I love him. He, no, 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 he, no. He's still there. I'm sure he just. I'm sure he signed for someone else. Last no, week, he switched so. this week. Yeah, has he? he signed, oh, what? Yeah. yeah, he switched for. He's gone to the Black Rams. Oh, I, I'm a diehard <laughs> fan of them anyway. I always have. <laughs> <Yeah. been. laughs> so he switched with Goodhue. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, oh wow. No, it was yeah. Incredible, wasn't it? it? was Josh Goodhue, wasn't it? Oh, Josh Goodhue. Sorry, yeah. yeah. His brother's gone. Yeah. Jack Goodhue was born on the exact same day as me. Speaking of another birthday facts, we were born go. on the same day, which means I can always measure myself against him. And nice. you know what? I'm <laughs> doing all right, but I doing well. have. Far fewer all black caps than him. <laughs> so far. So yeah. far. And there's someone else moved over as well. The three of them signed this week, and I can't remember who it is. Right. Now. But three, you know, big signings. Yeah. But that's yeah. the key to progression of career. I yeah. tell you what. Yeah. Like, it's I, a shame I'm that those more players aren't doing d- d- sabbaticals. Like, yeah, after they sure. work so well for McCaw and Carter, yes, Carter yeah, and Hooper as well. Like, yeah, and yeah. good on him doing what he's done now. And when yeah. Sam Warburton did it, you felt, oh, this is a really good move that prolonged his career. And obviously, it led to, you know, him retiring yeah. without coming back from it. But 
I'm amazed more players don't more players of that level of profile who've been playing as long as that. Yeah, don't yeah. go. I'm going to take a year out. You know, it's a really good point. It's a really good totally. point. Totally, and, I and especially in Japan because you earn yeah. really good money. Yeah, you're still playing high profile rugby. Yeah, and the season's half as long. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Yeah, so this morning I was watching see there are some of these clips for Sam Warburton was doing for a rugby equipment brand, right? Which I won't okay. mention, or maybe it will, and then you can give him a little so tinkle. Yeah. So it's Rhino. Ah. Mm-hmm. Other brands are available. Other brands are available, <laughs> unless Rhino want to call in and chuck in a couple of quid. Yeah, yeah in which case um, not. But exactly. <laughs> yeah. And look, there's only one website builder, as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) When you you watch Sam Warburton talking about the breakdown, Mm. the level of detail is ridiculous. So this little video he released this morning. Oh, I know the one you mean. You've probably seen it, right? Yes, crack on. This this manufacturer has released almost like a circular donut with a hole in the middle, tackle bag. With the idea idea being that you can hit it and then tackle or jackal through the, the hole in the middle of the donut. Okay. And he was just showing that just the level of, if you if they roll that donut from the right to the left, i.e. a ball carrier running to that direction, if you hit with the wrong shoulder, i.e. Corabetti, mm. not on the touchline, not only are you putting yourself in danger, but the momentum swing of your body to jackal is being eaten up by the momentum of the player, and right, you yeah. swing to a standstill. So you can't get back mm-hmm. to make the jackal. Whereas he's saying, if you use the correct shoulder, the momentum will swing you around the back and you can use it to lift back up on your feet. Mm. Right. Yeah, yeah. You're automatically in the gate, aren't you? And you, you can just in, spring straight back up. And you use that swing, almost like if you're going around a swing ball, if you imagine you being the ball, you use that moment to get back to your feet. And if you think that is what you yeah. see the best, they've yeah. always done that, right? Pocock, him, Hooper. They use that leverage to go round the tackler to get back to their feet. It was the thing back before they changed the, back when the tackler didn't have to release, before they changed mm. that about five years ago, Justin Tipperick used to do constantly. Yes. Yeah. Where he'd and swing he'd around, always, kind of, be always take people out of the way, then get in the offside position and just and then get in. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, just that level of detail, you know, and I think it makes you appreciate, A, what those players analyze when they're making tackles mm, and more yeah. importantly what they're missing by not being part of coaching yeah <laughs> you, know, so you, you think of I mean, you think of some of the best flankers in the world whether that is like a michael hooper or a peter steph or whatever it's yeah. easy to look at them and think like 
oh, they're just a big lad. Obviously, they're going to be dominant. But actually, they'll be thinking that going to every single tackle. Yeah. And that's what makes, again, like, I don't yeah. know, like the Anthony Jolanches of the world so incredibly good is that they know exactly what choice of tackle to make yeah. to the smallest degree of where they put their arms, where they put their legs, where they put hmm. their head, the lot of it. So it's insane. There's a lot of big insane. lads out there and like not all of them are world-class rugby players. You know, like it's, you yeah. need that level of dedication and focus to go with it and understanding inherently of your role, at least if not the entire game. Yeah, yeah totally. And I think when you watch the NFL, people appreciate that level of specialization, but mm. so they'll be, mm. you know, tight. I don't watch it much NFL, but I'm aware of this, the specialization in each position. They're like, of course. And that exists in rugby. If you want to watch it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And listen to it. And if you want to see it and, yeah, I love it. Yeah, I could listen to Sam Walkman talk. Oh, oh it's fascinating talking about him oh, talk about the breakdown man. and stuff. Yeah, he's brilliant, Sam Warburton. I love him. All day. So, should we go yeah, back to we... the game? <laughs> yeah. yeah, sorry. Uh, no, 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 no. Very welcome. We all enjoyed that tangent equally. Sorry. So Don't we be have, sorry. There's a little, like, run of Michael Liner being charged down over and over. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's why he changed his short, I think. <laughs> yes. I think he shit himself. <laughs> and hey, right. who wouldn't after seeing what happened to Patworth? <laughs> I'm a big fan of Michael Liner, but mm. I think yeah, he changed his shorts. And I just thought, right, this could leak through. Mm. Let's get him off. It's <laughs> interesting because his shorts split at the side, like they split at the hip rather than at the bottom of something. So he takes his shorts off like horizontally, yes, which I find quite interesting, yeah. and then just hands them to the guy next to him, like and then the crowd realizes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then he gets a new pair, pair of shorts and cracks on. And I'll be honest with you, with some of like the really fun amateur shit that was going on in this World Cup, I'm surprised they just had another pair of shorts lined up for him to play in. Me too. In the right size. Yeah. They definitely nicked a song on the bench. Like, so, <laughs> yeah, exactly. They were Brian yeah. Smiths and Eddie Jones nabbed them off him and said, give them to Liner. Give them to Liner. Oh, very good. I'll tell you what, considering what happens in the next game, I'm glad that mm. the splitting that happens around the short area is just the shorts this time. Oh, yes, indeed. Yeah. Considering how close we now are to having to talk about that. Oh, dear. Which, oh, dear. Yeah, okay. Whew. For anyone that doesn't yep. know at home. Whew. Yes. Um, Content warning for the next episode. Yeah. Tune in. But yes, so as you say, there was just a constant spree of charge downs, yeah. mainly on Michael Liner. Like there's a drop goal he does that gets charged down. There's a 22 dropout he does that gets charged down. And him and David Campese recover from beautifully. Oh my God. Da- David, David Campese. It's, <laughs> it's the fact that people always, you know, there's a cliche about certain rugby players. If he always beats the first defender, right? David Campese literally always beats the first defender. <laughs> yes. And then even in situations like that where he's on his own try line, he gets away from a man really casually, then just really comfortably gets like a 40-metre spiral yeah. punt away. And it's just like, that's so valuable for a fullback. Yeah. He's got a good kick. He has, People yeah. don't remember that. Yeah. You always just remember him glancing in and out and, you know, scoring weird tries on the wing in, like, in yeah. the five-metre channel. He's got a massive boot. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm guilty of underestimating that myself. Massive um, boot. Yeah, and he does put in some really good kicks. As you say, yeah. like when the ball's fumbled by one of the backs, or as you say, line is charged down, there's, I think, two occasions where he just steps out of tr- trouble and just really easily, comfortably, yeah. casually boots it downfield. Mm. And, and yet so again, with a mic, the multiplex. Yes. 
indeed. <laughs> you can add 15 metres onto that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's one point where Serge Blanco makes like a break and gets France sort of 30 metres upfield. They start spreading it wide. And then eventually they just go, can we just give it to Blanco again yet? Is he back yeah. on his feet? And so they do. And he goes full, fuck it, I'll do it myself. And yeah. almost goes the whole way. It's it's so enjoyable watching. And Menel makes a little break midway through as well. Yeah. And it's just a joy. And who cares if he smokes 60 fags a day? You can almost tell looking at him. And it doesn't make him a worse player. No, it doesn't. There is a point very early on in the game where he's underneath the post and he looks like he's going to spin. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And he yeah. hasn't oh. had to do an awful lot. I remember I was watching it back and I was thinking, that's when you can see he's smoking. Yeah, yeah. Let me tell you, Paul, that's happened in every France game so far this time. Oh, right. There we go. <laughs> right. You know, there, there we go. But he, and I think the other thing, God, I'm trying to talk technically now because I'm on with you boys. <laughs> but you realize how much more space there is in the 13 channel back then. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Because you don't see the 13 diving out. And blocking that gap, the fifteen, yeah. and you know Lajiske and those guys, they can do what they like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Once you're we, on the edge, you're almost free. We've talked about this. Like there are two things that are basically unstoppable in this World Cup, right? One is the fullback entering the line at pace, yeah. and the other is John Kerwin. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> there we go. John between Kerwin. the two of them, you know, like you kind of can't just can't stop either of them. No. And as I said, there's a few times where you've got two of the all-time greats. Like you've literally got two people who break try-scoring records in this game. Like yeah. Campesi will get on to, but like Serge Blanco here becomes France's all-time top try-scorer, equaling the record that Philippe Seller breaks earlier in the game. So you've got, you know, like two of the all-time greats here coming in and hitting, as you say, that channel where the 13 is not really pushing out. The 13 is watching yes. fan. And there was yeah. far more kind of like almost football-style man-marking going yes. on. Yes. Well, it's yeah, all it was, yeah. was one-on-one. Yeah. It was literally, um, where's my, you know, man-on-man. That was and it's kind of evolved. Up. Like most defenders nowadays mark the space rather than yeah. marking the player. And there are odd exceptions, but like generally that's kind of the rule. Yes. And that wasn't really happening here. So if you brought the fullback into the line late enough they were breaking through an awful lot of the time yeah 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 and it, it, it was the glory day of wings yeah mm. you know yeah. i remember we used to watch just every weekend watching you know welsh rugby back then it wasn't called scrum five it was called rugby tonight i think mm. but all of the tries were scored by wings mm. Mm. you know they were well, no we need a lot of them <laughs> 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 very good yeah, but it was all, you know, they were all wing tries and the odd 10, yeah. you know, there were no hookers scoring. Yeah, no, no. Right, you know, that was, you know, and no 12s really. It was all sort of 13, 14, 15. So I suppose that that space, of course, because they were drifting, it just gets, you know, it's weaker mm. and weaker and weaker as you as the further away. Sure. Why do you go, I suppose? Yeah. I mean, and speaking of wings, right? Didier Camembertero, the French winger, is yeah. a remarkable player who, I mean, he seems to be so involved for a winger as well. To say, like, does, yeah. yeah, a lot of the time, as you're talking about in this area, a lot of touches, wingers scoring mm. a lot of tries, but that's kind of most of their touches. Yeah. Most of their touches are either running into touch or scoring. <laughs> yes. But Camembert Berra is remarkable in the fact that he seems to be involved constantly. And also, like, he seems to, every time he gets the ball, he seems to be under immense pressure. He will somehow jink out of literally anything, then kick it out on the full or just run into touch. <laughs> <laughs> like he will pull like a that's complete so miracle and do something stupid. Yeah, that's He's really the most French player I've ever seen. There's one yeah. I love where he gets the ball from Blanco and it's like, oh, he's about to score here, Camberimbo. And he gets up to the five meter line and does a forward pop. And <laughs> I think goes into touch. <laughs> and it's just that, 
Yeah, it's just like, oh, well, that was brilliant until yeah. the last bit. Yeah, it's almost like dummy sidestep on the phone. Yeah. It's like a like th- little three-set move. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, There's like one point I've written in my notes that Australia run a play called Throw Everybody a Hospital Pass. <laughs> <laughs> Where everyone's just like, not me, not after what happened to Pap Daddy. Your turn now. It's so funny you should mention that, because I noticed the offload height back then tended mm. to be way overhead. Mm. Yeah. So oh, there were no offloads at like chest height or yeah, where you could point, get your arms in and get safe. Protect your ribs, yeah. yeah at one point later all... on, they send Campesi into like, like clearly they intend to run the fullback into line move that no one's watching for. But yeah. happened to be, Philippe Salah was stood right there. He hits him like straight on. It looks like it looks like nowadays when you think of like a centre taking the ball into contact. But instead he's just kind of smashing into Selham. And he just like instantly throws the ball backwards over his head. No <laughs> idea if anyone's there. <laughs> Yeah. And like the thing we talked about, Rux, you do not want to be at the bottom of that if you're, no. you know, if you're David Campesi, if you're any of the bags, really. Well, anyone, anyone, really. Yeah, it was grim. I'll always remember back then, even playing rugby as a kid mm. and used to bath in Dettol. Right? I don't even know if Dettol even exists anymore. I don't know whether they put <laughs> yeah, kids yeah. in disinfectant, but I'd come back from rugby and my mother say, oh, I've got a cap of Dettol in there. And then it's like being waterboarded. <laughs> For you know, for about ten minutes. Oh, thanks, mum. Yeah, just go cry in now. Thanks for that. Yeah, <laughs> cheers. In all my wound, you've just striped up, but you didn't lie on the wrong side. <laughs> yeah, hey, you had to learn your lesson. You had to, yeah, you, you, and you had to learn it from Eric Shomp. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you just didn't lie on the wrong. When you side. made your allusion to bring back rucking, that's just because you've retired now. <laughs> I, if retired, I never really played. No, it fair was enough. you know social rugby to the point where they moved me from second row as far away from contact as they could until I was 24 and then I gave up. Fair enough. <laughs> I think that's a good career. We yeah, took totally. the ball around a car park once. You know, that counts. That's playing. <laughs> yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a nice uh, day. I think that's why I'm so obsessed with rugby though. Mm. Because I was, you know, not timid, but you need to have an edge to play yeah, at yeah. a certain level. Yeah. And I never had that. I think that's where the obsession comes from. And I think that's where sure. the obsession comes from with a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I'm in total... I think we're both the same. Right, mm. total... Admi- and it's why I tend never to be negative about rugby mm. yeah. or the players themselves, because I'm in total sure. awe of all yeah. of them. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you've played once for Cardiff or 50 times a bar guy, you're better than me. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you you know, once for bar guy, you're better than me. <laughs> you know, and I'm I, always... Very deferential to anyone who's played at a level, yeah, as you would be, you know. It's uh, yeah, yeah, I think that's where it stems from, yeah. Whereas yeah, I'm reasonably good at tennis, but far more cruel to tennis players. <laughs> it's, <laughs> what, it's what happens, cynicism creeps in at a certain yeah, point. Yeah, if the better you were, you're the crueler you are, I think, yeah. the shitter you were, then why the, I'm the more I'm open so you cruel. are. <laughs> I'm, so, <laughs> I'm so cruel to just every professional Tetris player. Um, <laughs> Because it's <laughs> maybe the only thing I'm good at. Hey, I tell you what, that's not true at all. Well, I don't know. I don't know. It's a very short list, regardless. <laughs> um, I've just managed to monetize one of them. Um, <laughs> so far. Remembering yeah. who played in the center for Georgia in an old game. And um, look, l- let me tell you, right? I'm sure your Tetris achievements are better than Jack Goodhue's. So. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, there that's we go. That's true. Right? What's that's he true. ever done? Jack Goodhue yeah. can't do a T spin. 
Come on. No, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Who cares about his 30 caps for the All Blacks? Yeah. <laughs> and he can spin out a contact, but can he, you know, now drop ah, the yeah. oh, in the Very corner. good, Paul. Very, very yeah. good. There's, I think we're nearly done with the first half, like an hour and a half into this podcast. But there's one point I really enjoy where Michael Liner misses a penalty and France put it down for the 22. And Pierre Bebezier takes one of the smartest quick 22s I've ever seen, yes. where he like feigns to take it himself mm. really quickly. Then he turns around to Manel, who stood in midfield, and goes, no, 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 I won't do it, you know, and gestures up with his hands like, no, 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 it's not on. And then as soon as the opposition player just in front of him falls asleep for half a second, he just taps it I, to himself, yeah. and it's beautiful. I love it. Yeah, it's gorgeous. And France go, like, nearly the whole way off the back of it as well. It's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, we haven't mentioned the try. From the first oh, half. yes. Oh, yes, yeah, 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 yes. Because this is when it gets interesting, because Australia are 9-0 up at this point. Yeah, and, and they're like, very good for it. Like, they are very, kicking... Very yeah. deservingly like, so. Yeah. As we talked about in their quarterfinal, Australia probably have the strongest kicking game in this tournament. Yes. They have the most controlled. Liner is excellent. As you said, really massively underrated as a kicker. Yeah. Uh, and Nick Farr-Jones is so good at managing things when the others are spotting stuff. Definitely. Yeah. He does a really good job of just, like, keeping everything under control. And yeah. I think, as I said, me and Eddie Jones were very glad he was fit for this, as was all of <laughs> Australia. So, yeah, so, and it kind of, yeah, comes from a moment of that not quite clicking in the same way, of France getting on top in the kicking game temporarily, yeah. when it's generally been Australia on top. It's, it's interesting, because there's a certain category of try in this World Cup where the backline does something amazing, and you think, oh, this is going to be one of the tries of the tournament. Then they're put into touch, and then the second row scores off of the line out immediately. <laughs> yeah. and you go, oh, that was underwhelming. You know, we've got, they've got the same amount of points, but it's so much less aesthetically pleasing. And it's exactly what happens because it's from said forward pop that happens that goes into touch <laughs> from Canberra and Barrow. And yet Lorio steals the ball from the line out and kind of peels away from it and dives in the corner himself mm. to get France back in the game. Yeah. Um, it's Canberra a good finish, though. Yeah, it's like a one arm sort of winged. Yeah. It's yeah, good. You yeah. don't see many players plant the ball down like that anymore. No. They're clamped in between the forearm and bicep. Yeah. But it's when a risky you do sort of 80s finish. Yeah. When you do one of those, it's definitely turning up on highlights reels. Because oh, it's, it's so like from behind the goal line, so aesthetically pleasing to see it slam down properly. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Lovely. As someone that edits rugby videos together. I am using that clip. If you slam the ball down properly, it looks great. It looks great. I want more of those. Uh, I I tell you what, Shane Williams did a few of those. Yeah. Mm, The old little arm pinch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He loved one of them. The thing that I always find in the studio or editing, I always find the back angles of goal kicking, I absolutely love. Mm. I always Mm. put that in there and sometimes slow it down. Proper wider shot where you post on the kicker. Yeah, and, yeah, right. Yeah. Here's a question for you. So, have you noticed when, because you guys obviously analyze an awful lot of videos, mm. in the 80s, was the mm. kicking arc more from left to right than the modern day? Whereas it can be more of a fade, can't it? Yeah. It's almost like straight to fade. If you look at modern kickers, I think they kick right to left on contact on the ball, it straightens and goes the other way. Mm. Whereas yeah. back then, they used to worry a lot more about which side of the field you're on. That is a really interesting so. point, actually. I think it um, is still, to an extent, the case because the majority of tens will be right-footed. And I think that that is probably a big part of it. But I think you are correct, though, still, that back at this point, that probably was already something that yeah. was considered. Yeah, I, it was a lot. Yeah, because they used to arc the ball a lot. Mm. Yeah, 
there's far more emphasis now on like the planting the foot before you kick. Yes. Whereas I think then it was more about like the kick itself was the main thing. Yeah. Whereas yeah. you you see a lot more, especially when you watch like goal kicking advice and so on, which I, you know, admittedly I haven't watched that much since I was sixteen. But whenever you hear it and you you know those kind of stories, there's a lot more is on that planting the foot on being in position over the ball, head down, and all of this. Yeah. Like it's far more technical, the small bits. I think. Yeah, and um, they tend to strike the other way now, don't they? So it's yeah, they tend to almost the... slice the ball against yeah. the ring, whereas I've... back then they used to arc around it. I've I just realised your question was about goal kicking, and I just answered it about up and unders instead. So I have oh, no idea no, what about. No. I know nothing about goal kicking. My bad. <laughs> yeah, no, it's that arc because they almost used to run. They used to take three steps back and then two to mm. the left. So you sort of came around it like a circle. Yeah. And then the the, the bad miss back then was a drag, mm. which you, yeah. you'll know it's a few of them dragged it by a long way. Whereas mm. now the bad miss is a slice. Yeah. Like the Sexton, you know, when Sexton does his awful miss, it's yeah, always yeah. a slice, isn't it? So it's always something to look forward to, that. You know, because you know it's <laughs> coming up every Six Nations. Yeah. He know, will God miss at least it. one kick, probably two in a row, he often does, horribly. <laughs> Isn't it weird? Because he's such a good goal kicker ordinarily. Yeah. And then just now and again. It goes. It goes. Snap under the right. The classic getting the yips thing. Like Andre mm. Pollard the other week. Like oh when he just God. went from under him and he just suddenly yeah. couldn't. And like we what, all do you had guys, what do you guys think of Pollard? I I really rate him. And I think I, I yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think he's a great, a, a really, really good fly off. But I think you would never show a kid like this is how you play fly off. Considering it, like he's very no, he's very good specifically to the Springboks kind of what they want in a ten, like I the think, identity yeah. that they want. I think yeah. he's exactly the ten Razzy Rasmus wanted. And I thought, yeah, I think Jack Nineaver wants something slightly different. And I think there is actually like growth in his game in the last two years. Like, and I think yeah. watching him in this rugby championship, the two games against the All Blacks, like I and the games against Wales as well, a second or third test. I think we were seeing more of him managing play, which isn't something he traditionally mm. did. Like he used to be far more like phase by phase yeah. rather than like a George Ford or Paolo Garbisi were coming to mind. Like that, yeah. you know, a lot of like, extremely like, scripted. Yeah. <laughs> tend to kind of think like three phases in advance. And they're going like, I know what sure. I want here, here, here. I'm yes. just going to drop a pass because I don't want to be involved myself. Where And I think Paul is starting to develop that a bit. And I wonder if going to Leicester where they used to, George Ford will help with that. There is also the factor of like, he always kind of left that to Billy LaRue. Whereas now he's kind of had to do a bit more of himself because Villa has been used as, as a finisher, as it were, yeah. rather than being on for the full 80 minutes. So yeah. what do I don't you know think if that's part of it. Yeah. I think he's perfect for the box. Mm-hmm. And the only reason I ask, because of the, you know, the fallout from the last three weeks. Yeah. So, you know, I love, I watch more South African rugby now than mm. pretty much anything. Mm. Yeah. Since the yeah. URC, because I, you know, I write a lot more of More than your mum does. Yeah. And my mother is all over, you know, the bowls. Sort of We're going to have to change your name to Paul Villemsa, like, um, <laughs> so you can be the would... second Paul Villemsa and go like eight up the pecking order. That, that would drop me down to tenth then <laughs> in that list of Paul Williams's. But yeah, it's and it's difficult because they are the ones who don't seem to. Ha- that's the one position they haven't got mm. much behind. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? So they 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 don't really have an option, do they? To switch it. Yeah, yeah. and like I rate Elton Yankees higher than most people. Yeah, um, I do too. But, but he's not their 10, is he? He's not. He's, he's not, not what they're looking for. <laughs> and that's that. Yeah. It's interesting, developing a theory here. Would Elton Yonchis be viewed as a better player if he was Japanese? As a question for you. Yes. yes, he would. Well, he would be, yeah, because that's exactly the way they play. Yeah, yeah. extremely like attacking-minded, even wit, when wit, it's wit, not wit, going wit, his wit, way. Wit, yeah, wit, yeah. Wit. 
I've never thought that before. Now it's completely organic. I think thought, actually, but... it's really oh, good. It's bang on. Though. Like he plays in a team in the Japanese league, coached by Ruan Ackerman. Like that mm. is the perfect fit for him as a player. Yeah, that's a good yeah. point. Yeah, that's, like, that's, you should maybe think about requalifying. That's all I'll say. Yeah, good but it, it, I think the difficult thing with that South African ten position, there's nobody really much underneath. No, and no. I mean back, you know, almost three or four positions. Sure. Yeah. You know the depth like, really isn't there. Really, it's it's not like they've they're dripping with tens anyway. They called it Mornay Stain, aged like sixty seven last year. Yeah, like, no. I suppose you're sixty six at the time, but I know um, it's really and it's the only position they're not deep in. Yeah, yeah. Which is you know, so just like was it Willem's playing the, this. We should probably talk about the game, shouldn't we? I realize we're almost going for two hours. I don't want to keep. Yeah, it I don't know sorry. how much time you've got, Paul. I don't want to be like I could literally talk forever about rugby. <laughs> well, in that case, let's do this for yeah. seven hour episodes. Yeah, right. We'll we talk are, we're till someone dies. Right? <laughs> okay, okay. It will be one of a, It will be a listener. Snuff rugby. <laughs> Should have named the channel that. Yeah, it's really so, interesting that this is this is going to be the first episode where the the episode itself is longer than the time elapsed between the, the game <laughs> finishing and the starting recording. Yeah, exactly. We're into the thirty sixth year of recording, switching off, and we're all enjoying it, so it's God. fine. I'm so sorry, you'll never have <laughs> no, me on no, again. Right. No, 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 no. no, no, no. Uh, well, I'm I'm enjoying it so much more than when we don't go on tangents. So <laughs> I encourage more of it. You're not doing enough, all right, Paul. We'll definitely got... have you on. We'll just start recording at midday. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we finished at the same we've time. We've been on an hour, 50 minutes. Yeah. yeah. We're doing well. We're doing well. And we've got to half time, finally. Right. Skip through. So. Oh, is... no, no, no. I was just sorry. I, just, I had one last note on Go the on. try. On the try. On. The try. Because it is like a beautiful bit of just like, he literally reaches in, kind of goes, yoink, and he just dives over the line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I just, I, I had such images of Adam Beard having that wet dream as a teenager. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. That's very. Or Scott that's... Williams or James Hook. <laughs> yeah, 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 that kind yeah. of rip and strip. Yeah, that's Popping that's the try from this over. game that Adam Beard watches back. Not yes. one of the other ones that comes up. No, I, I tell to... you what. No, there's an improved player. Oh mate, yes. yes. Oh yes. Let me, let me tell you. I, I mean, the, the thing I love about Adam Beard <laughs> is how no one talks about James Ryan anymore at all. Because mm. when they came, they came for it at the same time and everyone's attention went to James Ryan instead. Yeah. yeah. And only one of them is a test lion. Yes. Adam Beard, I'm not saying he's going to be Alwyn Jones by any stretch, but mm. he's like a 10-year lock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You because know. he has that one skill where he's the best in the world at it. Yeah. And, uh, and he's being an fucking octopus. massive. He yeah. is. And As Ron Gatlin said, you can't coach someone to be 19 stone. Well, it's more like... than that. You can't grow people who've got heads like commercial bins. <laughs> right if you stand yeah. next to those lads right you can tell the ones who are just born genetically second row mm. yeah, yeah because yeah. their heads are massive and the best thing is right he has married a welsh international netballer who is also almost genetic, his height genetic right? breeding program i'm all exactly we we have like another generation of world-class second row coming through in 20 odd years time yeah, yeah. they've got it's- two kids my They're wife went. Tra- my caps. wife went traveling to New Zealand in mm. 2000. This only time I said she could ever cheat on me, <laughs> right? If she found a Maori who was six four and could do the 112, <laughs> <laughs> and I said, "Just get pregnant, bring the baby back, and we worry about it later." <laughs> yeah. 
as long as he's born in Wales. Yeah, yeah it's fine. And then we'll have the next kind of low move. Or if he hasn't got the handling, we'll switch him to eight. Perfect. And then we'll worry about that later, all right? Write it in the small print that you can take the credit for it. And yeah, and I'll, and it, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, Perfect. I know. I love it. I love it. No one will ask any questions. It'll be fine. No. No, It'll no, be no, fine. No, no. Yeah, exactly. Name him Paul Williams as well, so he can drop down the list. Yeah. yeah. But then I could, yeah, then I could almost say that's Samoan heritage. That's the link. I can say I'm sort of linked to that Paul that's Williams. That's it. If you're, if, <laughs> yeah, if, yeah. If, if one of your descendants is called Paul Williams and goes further up the list, you stop caring about where you exactly. are. Exactly. And, and then it, the lie gets deeper. And then all yeah. of a sudden, then I'm on Netflix. <laughs> and I, the great Paul Williams lie. Will Smith will play you in a biopic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He fucking lied continually. Then went on a podcast <laughs> for two hours and then fessed to everything. <laughs> we will keep you on here till you admit to crimes. That's our <laughs> promise to every guest. Oh, God. You won't believe what Blaine Scully owned up to. <laughs> There's another good player. He's one of my favourites. Oh, yes. oh, I love him. I love him. Yeah. Love I, him desperately. I, he had a touch of the Tommy Bowes. Mm, yeah, yeah, big time. Very, big time. very, very handsome man. We, yeah. oh god, yeah. We had him on like maybe ten episodes into this podcast, and I still think every day about how much I just came across as a fanboy when we had him yeah. on. <laughs> I know. Do you know what? I don't care if I come across as a fanboy. Yeah, I am. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was. Yeah. I like tried to play it cool for about ten minutes, and then yeah, very quickly that. came out like, "By the way, Blaine Scully, mm. I love you." Yeah, it's not worth it. Whenever people say you should act like a journalist, I'm not a journalist. Yeah, I'm a rugby fan with a couple yeah, of columns. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love him. Get out of my way. I yeah, yeah. think very similarly. In the <laughs> same way, like I kind of feel like it's not my place to be meeting players and interviewing them because I kind of no. like I talk about them, you know, like it's yeah a different thing, but like. One of the best moments of my life, genuinely, was Blaine Scully texted me saying "Happy New Year," oh, and I felt, gosh. I felt, what a thing, what a thing, what a lovely man. That's he lovely. didn't do it the next year, like, but I don't care. Yeah, like, no, once. That's it every once. New Year, for all yeah. I know. And for all I I'm, care. I'm sure that you fulfilled your obligation. Had a nice year. I had a lovely year. All yeah, thanks to all thanks to our boy, Skull um, Monster. Yeah, Skull Dog. Um, Skull Dog. <laughs> Skull Daddy, uh, Josh. Oh, Josh mentioned this on Blood and Mud because I mentioned to him the kind of off air. But so, like, if you follow someone and they follow you back, and your Twitter account is linked to your Nintendo Switch, it comes up as a suggested like you can add them as a friend. Yes. And for a very long time, I was toying with adding Blaine Scully as a friend on Nintendo Switch, sending me a request, and, then and I mentioned his this ass to someone. On what? What's your chosen yeah. game? Oh, Mario Kart. Come on. Oh, yeah. Um, I was gonna say. I I could absolutely take Blaine Scully. I wouldn't fancy racing an international winger, but yeah, go on. One day, one day, I'm going to take him on a Tetris 99, and then I'll live up to it. Oh, um, so, so, and I finally did it. I had someone. I explained the story to someone else while they were at my flat, and they just went and just added him. And he has oh, not wow. responded to the friend request yet, but it says he hasn't been online in a while. So we'll oh, see. We'll it. see if me and Blaine Scully can one day play each other. Yeah, and Smash Bros. Visit each other's Animal Crossing islands, yeah. Oh, yes. I think he'd, like, I really enjoyed, though, because, like, I could look through what he played lately, and it was like, oh, he's been playing Mario Party. Cool. <laughs> the thought of Blaine Scully playing Mario Party just know, really fills my heart. <laughs> but, you know, the amount of players who play Call of Duty. Yeah. yeah. Right. But isn't it great that Blaine Scully's the one who plays Mario Party? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> so fitting. It's really niche. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Oh, what a player. What a guy. Really love, the, love that man. Should we look at the second half? Yes, yeah. please. Okay. So, the, as I said, the very first thing I've written in my notes is Sela, you beauty. Because he scores pretty much as soon as the second half starts and he cuts it like he cuts inside and sidesteps i think about 50 percent of the wallaby population of the earth it's <laughs> incredible it's lovely it's just a beautiful like there's a lovely break by france in the lead up and them kind of starting to mm. offload and then recycling the ball they get it wide it is like textbook rugby especially this era but generally as well yeah the way the kind of the forwards burst through who is it? Rodriguez, I think, makes a big carry. And then it's from there... Him staying at full pace the whole time he's yeah. running, even when he's changed yeah. direction, when he's throwing the dummy, he's always at full pace. He doesn't slow down to make the pass or anything. Yeah. And like, that will never change. Yeah. Each pass yeah. is beautifully timed, mm. until the, especially the one that isn't thrown. Yes. Like, yes. he times his dummy so well. Yeah. It's... And then the step and the glide. The balance. Oh. And the, I've seen this try how many other times in the past, just for kind of like rugby e-fursing. Mm. It is gorgeous, so isn't it? It's almost like rip denim. You know the <laughs> yeah. way he sort of goes through? It's like, yeah. And it's really abrasive. And and I think, that, you know, what's good about that second half is that the space in those outer channels become even more so. Yeah. There yeah. are no there are no subs. And the teams clock onto it, don't they? Right. And, and there go, are this is they, how we're gonna you know, win. There's no bomb squad coming on. No. Right? There's no. nothing. It's like surfing yeah. without a leash. <laughs> right? You you're on your own in the second yeah. half. And if that board goes, then you you you're dead. Yeah. And it that's where that space is. And that's why we see those lovely tries in the second half. That's where the yeah. width is and it's, and um, we've gorgeous. spoken before at points in this World Cup that very occasionally you'll have a player's ego take over them in their head and you know do a stupid kick that's not on or something because they just yeah. fancy it there's none of that in this game at all at all mm. and there's one really good point i noticed where i think it was seller gave the ball to largely scale on the wing and points pump it downfield yes. rather than doing it himself and yeah. it's just like oh right he's noticed that he's got like a left-footed kicker outside him who is more qualified to make that kick than him and it's just like it's so, such a high level of rugby iq Billy to think Seller. through that is so far ahead of his time, man. Yeah, looking amazing. Imagine yeah. him playing now. Imagine yeah. him playing with this, like if you had Fiku inside him with Hunter Mack and Dupont, and how yeah. well he'd slot into that team and how well he'd fit in. And he'd be fifteen of... kilograms heavier. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, he'd have all the upper body and the fend. Yeah. He had a good fend then. Yeah, he did. He did. But... Good Imagine God, how IQ good he could be now. Like, yeah, yeah. Like so, not to take so away from good. how good he was in his day, because he no, was. That's right. As good as any rugby player. But there's so few players in alive. this World Cup where you can say they would translate it without You can any drop them real... exactly as they yeah, are. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. You could drop them in, give them like three weeks of strength and conditioning training and he'd be ready, you know? Yeah. I think Michael Liner's some... one of those. Michael Liner's absolutely one of those. Exactly. Michael Liner's fantastic. That game, that Michael Liner's playing the same game that Tens are playing now. Yeah. Mm. Exactly yeah, yeah. the same game. Yeah, it makes you realise he's probably something, and we'll find this out, I suppose, as we go into more past World Cups. But like, he's probably quite a groundbreaking player in that respect yeah. because he's the most intelligent kicker, Bob, maybe Grant Fox in this whole World Cup. Yeah, and I say maybe Grant Fox because they're I pretty much on a par. Yeah, I think he's yeah. I think um, it's Liner. I think Liner's the best. Yeah, kicker. they're both phenomenal, right? Yeah, but yeah, Liner is it's it's all up here. It's all in his brain, mm. you know, the way he thinks yeah. about where he's putting the ball and. Yeah, he always lands it perfectly. And speaking of, right, these sort of plays that you can translate, Campo oh. and Liner in 
conjunction together because as soon as this try goes over for France, Australia hits straight back. And it's the yeah. point where I just so, think, good God, this is an amazing test match. The Leeds changes hands five times in the second yeah. half. How good is that? And the thing yeah. is, right, there was a point where I thought, like, is this a great test match or is it just the first one in this World Cup where we've got a scoreboard? I think it's both. <laughs> do, do you know the other thing, though, that also helped was the four-point try? Mm. Right, so you never got to pull ahead. Yeah, it's true, actually. Right, It hugely. paid off in this game. Yeah, so, you know, a try back then was not meaningless, but mm. it was just one more than a penalty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. whereas now, of course, you, you score three tries, you clear. Yeah, yeah. Largely. That's a really interesting point. This try, um, Michael Liner gets the ball, cuts inside, really nice sidestep, makes the break, and then without really needing to give it any thought, throws this perfect miss one over to Peter Greg. Grigg on the on the right wing. And the thing is, at this point, I thought like, oh, he's blown it. Because like any other 10 in this World Cup has tried that pass and it's not come off, it's been dropped or it's mm. been intercepted or it's gone into touch or it's missed the man, whatever. Yeah. But this time he nails it mm. and Grigg catches it off his chest and feeds it straight back inside. And you think like, oh, okay, this could work. And then you see it's David Campisi and think that's a yeah. 100% try. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's a brilliant support line by Campisi because he it changes is. where he's coming from so late and so yeah. well. Because he's initially trying to get on, uh, on line of shoulder. Mm. And then adapts, drops back, drifts in a bit so that he's in the perfect yeah. position away from Lagashay in order to, to take that. And then, you know, angles his thing perfectly to the corner. Yeah. Finishes it for this is his 25th international try, which breaks Ian Smith's record, which has stood since 1933 of 24 Jesus. tries. So that's his 25th international try in that game. Yeah. This is this is Campesi's 25th try. This is try. early this in is his the, international career. This he is retired from yeah. 10 years after this. Yeah. Yeah, because he played in 95. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So this is his 25th try, the one that breaks the record, right? Good God. Yeah. He goes on. To score lots, lots is the official number. I'd say somewhere in the ballpark of 70. So he scored 64 tries in total for right. Australia. Right. 64. This is his 25th try in the record breaker and the big one. Wow. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's and incredible. he's already world class at this point. Yeah. It's unbelievable. And yeah, as you say, who else would you want but Liner to pull mm. up? pull up that try you know and bring up the record it's it's incredible it's a great moment of drama as you see the best player in the world at finishing those opportunities is the man taking that pass and you think oh okay he's scoring here and he does he finishes it brilliantly Mm. in the corner and brings the score back up to 13 12 at this point there's not much in it there's not much in it right and it's australia going like no 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 we we need i've got the game running in the background nice (laughs) But just as France have established themselves... So, hold on. No, no, no. So, Liner takes the conversion, right? However, there's another thing that happens here, right, in the middle of this. Mm-hmm. So, Michael Liner is lining up this kick goal, right? This conversion. Crucial conversion, which would... Would it put them level or would it put them... No, put them back ahead or are they yeah, already put ahead? Yeah, so put them ahead. Put them ahead. They go ahead and then this would make it 15-12. This would make... Okay. So, really important kick, right? Michael Liner then notices a ball boy about 12 years old standing there next to him in the way of his run-up. Right? So he looks at the ball boy as if to say, you shouldn't be here. The ball boy doesn't move, but turns to Michael Liner and says, this is a pretty important kick, mate. Really? No way. Liner then says, thanks, I know. This is the semi-final of the World Cup. 
The ball boy then says, well, you'd better get it, then walks off. You are <laughs> fucking kidding. And that child grew up to be Nick White. <laughs> <laughs> so Michael Liner, this is in his autobiography, he says that he nails it. He then sees running back for the restart. He glances over the sideline and sees that kid standing on the touchline giving him a thumbs up. <laughs> Jesus, it's unreal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's in Michael Lund's autobiography. That's ridiculous. Oh, my God. <laughs> better kick this. How old is the kid? About 12, he says. Fucking hell. That's so Australian. <laughs> and he's already yeah. a qualified kicking coach. Incredible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's only 12. Yeah. <laughs> How old was Neil Jenkins at this point? Yeah, yeah. That's, That's incredible. Brilliant. The thing is, because this game wasn't even played in New Zealand, because I thought that would be funny if it was like the opposing yeah. fan. Yeah, yeah. He's doing it to like... It's a Kiwi, yeah. That's, that's, an that's one of his own fans. The other great thing about that kick, right, is it also breaks the Australian points record for Michael Liner. 164 breaking Paul McLean's record. So how old's Michael Liner in that game then? I think like 24. I think he's quite young. It's quite early yeah, in his yeah. career. Again, he has a long career after this, doesn't he? So Yeah. 10 years after that. Yeah, 24. That kid, no, no, though, 20, he's 23, 23, sorry. We, we need to try that kid down somehow. Yeah. I mean, he's probably, you know, in his late 40s at this point, but we'll, we'll give it a go. See if he remembers that conversation. That's brilliant research. Fair play. Yeah, fair play. <laughs> That's brilliant, Squid. That's made this game even better because that was the conversion where I thought like, oh, right, this is this is a serious test match yeah. now. Yeah. And as I say, it does help actually having the scoreboard in front of us and realising that. Goal, yeah. Michael Liner's goal kicking, right, where the only two misses hit the post. Yes. When he is phenomenal kicking display. by mm. As you say, like, when he's kicking an armadillo, it's very, very impressive. Incredible. You know, when he's, yeah. I love the one where it hits the post and it bounces back into Babezier's hands. And then he dummies one way, pops it the other one, and doesn't realise David Campisi stood in the way, who goes mm. for the little slap-up intercept. And you think, like, oh, he's going to score and seal the game here. And the ball just doesn't quite fall his way yeah. and falls on the floor. Yeah. yeah, the offloads were a lot riskier mm, back then. They were yeah. proper offloads, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ten it's foot in the air, fifteen foot back. Yeah, this is the most we've seen them actually go to hand, though. I think this yeah. game throughout this World Cup. I mean, there's a few France throw where you think like, "Well, this is fucking stupid," and it's like yeah. next thing you know, Blanco's fifty meters downfield. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think the handling errors are the things that really stand out. Yes, because they look really chaotic, don't they? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Like sloppy, and but then I suppose if you're all doing it, it doesn't really matter. It's true. It's true. Then France don't hang about in hitting back Australia, as I just have written in my notes. La Gisque! La Gisque. Oh, beautiful. What a try! I know. What a try! Someone else can call this one. Well, I have written in my notes. A glorious try, Blanco, you bastard. I, uh, I have Blanco, you madman, written down. <laughs> it is gorgeous, though. It yeah. really is. And, you it's... know, to the point that, that that word, Legisque, in my memory, isn't even like a rugby player. It almost sounds like a car. <laughs> so, I, do you know, I've heard it so much as a kid. Mm. That it's almost like someone saying, like, Jaguar or Ferrari. Yeah, I mean, he <laughs> is you know, pretty fast. Legisque. Yeah, it's 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 he's not a rugby player, weirdly. He's, he's like a sort of like a beautifully crafted engine. Isn't that? Yeah, yeah. but that is yeah, genuinely I how that. I remember him. Yeah, 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 yeah. So to kind of paint the picture of the try, well, France Michael Liner gets absolutely smashed. 
Yeah, he does. He does. <laughs> he does. Yeah. Bless him. Bless him. That kid would not have been happy. No. <laughs> that kid's probably lobbing stones at him. <laughs> <laughs> so Liner gets smashed, the ball gets stripped, and he kind of have a moment of going, Oh, it could be on for France here. And like, oh no, it is it is on for oh, France. Oh, here. oh they're under the they're mm. under the balls. Yeah. <laughs> you realise it's on for France when yeah, when Blanco gets the ball. Yeah. And it's the way he weaves inside, then outside, and they transfers the ball into one hand. And you think like, oh, he's going to, he's just going to go himself. And I think that's deliberate. Yeah, I do too. He yeah. wants everyone to think that he's going to go himself before he just flicks it onto Lajiske. I noticed oh. that that ball in his hand. That's like a tell in poker. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. like him yeah. saying, "I'm doing it. I'm going." Yeah, this is bait. But then he doesn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I noticed it's that. A really glorious thing about Serge Blanco is like mm. there are so many players in this competition. We watch it back that have kind of like auras around them you kind of you hear things about right and we then watch them back and gone well they're okay you know but watch them with hindsight you're kind of like they're fine and every time Serge Blanco gets the ball I think I'm about to have that thought and I never do like he's so inexplicable he looks like nothing is ever going to work he's always gonna make the wrong decision he was gonna you know not pass when he should or pass when he shouldn't and every time it comes off he has that really cool casual lazy thing that he does where he'll just disappear from a game for five, ten minutes and do nothing, right? And then the next time he gets the ball, as I say, he's either pumped it downfield, he's made a line break, whatever. And, like, when he sets up that try, he looks like he's going for a walk in the park, but he's just yeah. casually snapped two players' ankles. Yeah. yeah. And he's also... But the thing, he's got proper gas. Yeah. So when he, t- he... When I look back at Blanco, we never really thought of him as being that fast. Mm. It was more like a positional fullback, and when he was on the outside, yeah. he did the right thing. But he's really quick. Yeah, and never looks like he's sprinting, which is Ever. No, so, He's got so that strange. Gavin Henson language. Yeah. He's obviously faster than Gavin Henson. Mm. But, you know, that kind of, that pace. Yeah. And then, speaking of pace, man, Lagashay. What oh, a finish. Cool. But there's clearly a moment where he looks up and thinks about the past, then goes, actually, no. Yeah, yeah. And he goes. He does, he hesitates, then goes, actually, wait, I am fast. I could do yeah. it. There's that foot race between him and Greg and then Campo on the angle and he just burns the lot of them. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it, into my veins again. Yeah, it's gorgeous. It's just like a beautiful finish. It's one of those things, the best wingers of the world just know how to do it. That moment yeah. where you just become, in a good way, like arrogant about your own pace and yeah. think like, no, nobody is stopping me here. Yeah, but that is their job. It is, yeah. yeah. You know, we... In modern rugby, you get a little bit, oh, can they, you know, it's all about yeah. kick defence. And, you know, can they shield the ball and can they run like a, a shield line? That's not their role. Yeah. yeah. Their yeah. role is to, like, terrify people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And make you think, I can't cover you inside. Or yeah. right. And those French wings did, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. You know? Fantastic. And, like, yeah, he's he's outpacing really quick Great players. Yeah. He's got some lazy uh, covering back, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, Proper so quick boys. Yeah. And it's great. Again, like you've got three tries on the bounce, all against the grain. And you just think this test match could go absolutely anywhere yeah. at, at yeah. any time. I love it. This also, of course, is around the moment we have, well, this is the moment where we have the Bebezier turnover. And the best thing mm. about this, right, is not only does he do a jackal, he does a dive pass and a process to get it away. Oh, gorgeous. Which is that's so eighties. Yeah, yeah. The best Phenomenal thing is moment. the the turnover he makes. The tackle originally comes from two players who are over forty meters offside from a kick, and I have no <laughs> idea how they get away with it. But 
I'm impressed nonetheless. And it's not cheating if you don't, if, you know, if you don't get caught. So, yeah. Right. But you know, that dive pass that we were talking about earlier, scrum mm. halves back then used to be in a mess all the time. Yeah. And that's yeah, where yeah. the scrum pass comes from. Yeah. That dive I, pass is like, I, I've got nothing else I can do now. I've got to fling this from here to there. How many dive passes have you ever done, Will? Uh, you know what? Necessary dive passes? Maybe one. Yeah. Unnecessary <laughs> dive passes, 15. however, we're in <laughs> quadruple figures. Yeah, totally. <laughs> like, the amount of times I've just kind of shat myself and just flopped to the floor to get a dive pass away, mm. even though it's not really a thing that much these days. Were they spiral or end-on-end dive passes? Ah, more spiral, I think. Oh, it's the end-on-end. You've got to do the dive end-on-end to go full empties. Bring it back. Yeah. I'll, Bring it back. I'll, I'll do that next time I play. <laughs> yeah, next week. And I get smashed by a back row forward trying to <laughs> do it in touch on Friday. Um, <laughs> challenge accepted. Yeah. Don't do it in contact. <laughs> God, love you. I say three tries on the bounce. There is a fourth one, but I just have written down what the fuck is this try? Some kind of mad illegal steal <laughs> equalizes the game. <laughs> yep. Anyone any ideas? What the fuck is this try? That's about right. Kind of sums it up. I have in all caps. What a bad try! Yeah, there we um, go. But it's David very Cody like for like with the French try in the first half. Yeah, he's saying mm. the ball just kind of like France have a line out. They kind of secure it a bit. They have a ruck there. Ball just builds out. David Cody goes, "Oh, thanks," and scores on the corner. I was going to say, I have no idea how he can feasibly be onside there. No, but I don't care. Right? I li- I could not care less because it's. It's just a fun try where he's just completely improvising. I don't think he expects it to be given. And then when it is, it's just like, oh, yeah, well, that's vibes. So, And it's also now why you have ruck guards. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very true. Because that wouldn't happen. Yeah, very true. Very true. So that try happens and it equalises this World Cup dramatic semi-final. Yeah, Um, Michael Lynott nails the touchline conversion to bring it level. With a mighty multiplex. Yeah, yeah, and both teams go into full on drop goal mode, and I love it. Yeah. Oh, the the other thing that happens right as Cody scores is Denny Charvet, the French centre, mm. falls with his hands on his face to his knees, <laughs> like he's like, oh no, like full on, like woe is me, hands on his face, falls to his knees, starts shouting and screaming and crying, and I, it's so French. Yeah. Like everything about this French team is so French. Right down to the centre, starts crying and equalising try with 15 minutes to go. Such a French game. This is gorgeous. It. Yeah. But yeah, so Maynell attempt to drop goal. Bloody good effort. Yeah. Uh, like shaves the upright. And, and I love the kind of that very bomb nature of yeah, it. Like, yeah, yeah, You don't see it coming at all because he's in the corner. It's that really difficult position. Yeah. He just says to Australia, no, you're not equalising against those lads. Like, yeah, exactly. We're going ahead again, but yeah. just misses. It's a really bloody good attempt with the mitre whatever it's called um multiplex <laughs> multiplex <laughs> i need to, i need to remember that mitre multiplex i'll track one down i'll send you one the mammalian <laughs> snail horrible thing <laughs> mammalian snail that's Gentrified the one slug <laughs> france carry on just being magic after that mm. and just do some some mad shit do like one of those moves where it's like there's like four switches in midfield and like seven inside passes <laughs> and you just think like well yeah. this would better result than a line break <laughs> and it more or less does and Lajuske nearly scores another one but he's I think put into touch by Grig somebody covers across really really well oh, that's um, kind of amazing 
Campo, a right. rare moment of defending. There's a there's a point right where the referee pauses the game and he calls over Daniel De Bronca and he tells him off and he does like a punching motion. Yes. So I'm not sure if he punched yeah. somebody. I look back at the footage and couldn't see anything. That's probably one of ten punches though. Yeah, <laughs> that's like, true. The fact that we have had in this World Cup punches to the face that the referee has said less of that, please, and not penalised. Yeah. No, there's nothing. Yeah, no. some of the things you see now that would be they'd be like fourteen week bans. Yeah, mm. yeah, just, just like, don't do it yeah, again. You know, we'll have a word, but we'll be fine. It's, you know, it's not a problem. Yeah. What I'm Carry saying on. is, one of those players that should be in modern rugby dropped the Constantine brothers from Romania in. Who yeah, yeah. and they, you haven't seen the ball, but they just punch people and they're great. Yeah, well, they do. Both yeah. just yeah. Like, punch people. Both of Romania's second row are brothers who are enormously tall and just punch people. That's and they're my favourite players from this World Cup. They're, like, I'm expecting them to be in your team of the tournament, Robbie. That's all yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> all I've done is punch people and score one, like, worldy try. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, you know, I, I still expect it. Well, I tell you, but that, that the four or five years after that, Romania were um, yeah. a reasonable sign. Mm, this yeah, is, like, yeah. around... The, the peak of Romanian rugby. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I tell you what, anecdotally, anecdotally, they, I'd say that's the reason why they added to some of the Welsh players going north. Mm. Right? So not just the money on offer, but the, that big loss that Wales had to Romania. Yeah. That right. tipped, that tipped. Yeah, A yeah. couple of decisions makes over, sense. right, yeah. we're off north. That makes sense. Yeah. That tracks. Oh. That was about 1991, I think. Blame those Constantines and their punching. There we go. <laughs> you can only take so many punches to the throat. Yeah. And, then, and then you're off to witness. <laughs> you can't help it. You've got to go and live with you. Takes us 15 more years. Might as well stay there. It takes us 15 more years to discover Yestin Harris. Unbelievable. <laughs> oh, man. Don't get me started on that waste of money. <laughs> oh, you're still paying that off. <laughs> it's coming out your tax. Jesus. So Australia go downfield, and it's one of those things which is. Oh, go on. This the slack kick. Yes. So there's go a moment on. slightly earlier, right, where Mensel puts in a brilliant kick. Campesi kind of cleans it up, like steps about five people, and then allows Herbert to clear. Yep. Brilliant work, right? They get downfield. Australia turn the ball over, and then having been so under pressure on their own line, they get the ball to Andrew Slack, their captain who puts in a phenomenal kick, like unbelievable, splits the backfield, puts them under pressure, right? But like he doesn't just kick it into the 22. He kicks it into the bloody Hurt Arena. And suddenly, <laughs> out of nowhere, right, we have like the Jacques Nineover defence takes over. Yeah. Like, and it's from one... having been no defence whatsoever in this game, really, really, to suddenly this like incredible rush pressure defence from Australia. It's one of those unbelievable things. And we spoke earlier about the 50-22 being like a moment in a game. that's not, yeah. not a score, yeah. but it gives you that bit of serotonin when your team's just done it. But yeah. the big turnover penalty when the game is tight yeah. is one of those things, especially yeah. in the opposition 22 or their half. And that happens. And that's the first time I've seen that happen in this whole World Cup, right? Is underneath the sticks... Australia get one of those penalties from France holding on in their in their own twenty seventh minute. Yeah, like and they he's... charge in a few phases in a row and like smash, like absolutely smash them, carry them backwards, and then fly in again the next phase. Yeah, and yeah. pressurize the breakdown. Yeah. yeah, and come up with the penalty, and Liner obviously slots it to make it what twenty four all at this point. No, twenty four twenty one. Twenty four twenty one. Yeah, of course. Yes. 
only for David Campese to shoulder somebody off the ball, like immediately off the kickoff. And she's like, oh no, oh no, 24 all. Yeah. No card though. No, no card. card. No, no card. card. No card. Fine. Shoulder straight in the face. Yeah. So the fun thing about this as well, that penalty goes over on 80 minutes, but we still had injury time as a law then. So that should have been, I guess, the last kick of the game by modern standards. But because he hadn't been stopping the clock at this point, they instead play on and they go, we've got a few minutes of injury time after this, making it 24 all. You know, I didn't even notice that. That's yeah. brilliant, Squidge. That's detail, that is. <laughs> Pap daddy time, you know. That's brilliant. Yeah. The the overtime of what happens when you've got somebody running into six French forwards. <laughs> into borrowed time. Different universe. But my main note of what happens after this is, oh my God, it's that try. Yes. It's well, that so try. It starts, the Wallabies have a line out uh, just outside the 22. And Michael Liner again mentions the other bit, one of the two other bits on this game in his autobiography. Mm. He mentions that he was setting up for a drop goal and he wanted the drop goal. And he kind of makes the decision last minute not to call the ball. Okay. Um, but as because he notices Eric Sharp flying up on him. Right. But as that's happening, Nick Fargeon's already preparing to pass. So his pass is then off target. And it leads to them kind of, you know, Philippe Seller catching Cody behind the book game line, the ball being spilled, everything then leading France to the ball, leading to this try comes from Lionel changing his mind last second. And obviously, as we've talked about Scrum after this period, didn't want to be caught in trouble. So no. Nick Fargeon throws the pass anyway instead of calling it <laughs> off and taking contact, which is very understandable when you see yes. this bench pack. Yeah, yeah. It's a split-second decision, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, it's very, Fling very it. difficult. Yeah, exactly. And France go absolutely haywire. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's a very famous attack. I yeah. imagine a lot of people listening to this will have probably seen it before. But... It all starts, ironically, with Campesi getting tackled off the ball by Laurier. And it's just a brilliant piece of shit out of And France regather the ball and basically go from one touchline to the other about nine times before yeah. he's getting tackled. It's brilliant. Yeah, it's very modern. Mm. It's like literally left, right, left, right, left, right. Yeah, <laughs> without yeah. any plan. Yeah. And just the offloads all come in until eventually it get spread from one touchline as I said right to the right hand side and then back to the other where Lajiske has it and he just opens up God. Mm. it's that point where he realises I've got a lot of space outside me I could do something here mm. and it, you can tell it's all very improvised but he knows that he's got skillful players all around him and kind of makes it up from there on out right yeah yeah, yeah. I well, think they all did back then though mm, yes that, you, yeah, know, that yeah. was, you know it was if there's one left one right we're going yeah, yeah. And he beats that first tackle. And I don't know who it is quite comes up outside him. It might be a Barney, I think, the open side. Yeah, Barney. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Who runs a fantastic support line and kind of identifies that's where the space is. And there's just a split second where he throws an offload. He, an off- to Shomp. Uh, yes, to Shomp. And there's the one where Michael Liner goes for the intercept. Yeah. And he drops it. Yeah. And it's just as he drops that ball, you see on the outside of your frame, Serge Blanco coming into the shot. Yeah. yeah. Blanco's involved moments early, like earlier and almost has a chance. And then kind of gets, gets himself back on the outside. Double touch. Coach's dream. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, Lagashe picks it up, doesn't he? And yes. pops it on to Garay, who then yeah. spots, hold on, hold on, hold on. Something's on here. Yeah, and as I say, it's the opportune moment for Serge Blanco to run a good support line, right? Mm. He 
pops up on the outside and there's just nobody else who'd want to finish that try because he's fast and he's powerful. Yeah. And thankfully, he's only got like 10 metres to go. So, you know, he doesn't require fitness. Finds so, himself um, up against the hooker as well. <laughs> that alone. Yes. You, yeah, you know what, exactly. You, you know what? You're so right though because Legisque wouldn't have finished that. He'd have been bouncing no. the touch. Yeah. 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 He would have needed like an exceptional dive to finish. Yes. That, but it was Blanco's got a bit of a shoulder. Yeah. Because it is, it's Tom Lawton, the hooker, who's corner flagging, who's trying to get mm. across. Like it is a powerful play. Does a good job, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he does, to be fair to him. When you watch the TV footage, it doesn't show how good a job he does as well as the kind of famous still photo of him diving and planting yeah. the ball, where you can really see him dragging it along. Yeah, um, yeah. It's the other thing Michael Liner notes in his autobiography, that he feels that Blanco touches the corner flag before he go, before the ball goes down. Oh, right. I tell you um, what, his feet were very close to the touchline too. Yeah. Very um, close to dragging over. So Linus says, back in 1987, the corner flag was considered to be out. Tommy definitely had most of Blanco in touch before the ball went down, he says. He says, it's suspect is the word he uses of that try. Mm, interesting. However, watching it, I think it's I think that I think it's fine. My instinct is a try. Yeah, and I think finish. it's a glorious, famous. It's one of these tries, that, as you said, like I've seen a lot. I've seen that yeah. try a lot. But I've never appreciated it. I did for watching the 80 minutes prior. That's it. Yeah. yeah. No, for watching so I didn't realise it was in this drama. game. You yeah, know, I, that didn't occur to me. No, was, I didn't either, if I'm honest. Yeah, and let alone it being the winning try with so yeah. much weight on it in with the first bloody test match. Minute. Yeah, in this in this World Cup, and this is a proper test match between two brilliant teams. Yeah, and for that to be the winning thing, like as soon as he got that down, and also by the way, as Blanco comes into the shot, you can see Loria lay down like face planted on the floor from tackling Campesi a minute ago, which is funny. Yeah. But yeah, as he slams that down. And Canberra Barrow nails the kick from the touchline. Mm. You think, I I just thought, like, go on, France, you deserve to win this now. Yeah. Now you've had that moment. It just was whichever team came up with that moment deserves to win the game. And France did. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. It was beautiful. Mm. And it's that point. So France regathered the kickoff and they're clearly very anxious about managing the rest of the game. And Manel just tries to pump it downfield as far as possible. Both teams set the line out. Then the referee blows the final whistle. Mm. And it's kind of an anti-climax. Yes. It's such an amazing game. Yeah. Uh, because yeah. neither team knew it was finished because of the whole injury time thing, I suppose. Yeah. That you probably will have said to the ref, like, how long's left? He's going, oh, no, probably like a minute. And then they've just pumped it downfield. Yeah. And yeah, the final whistle comes and it's absolute scenes. Yeah. And it's, it's incredible that France just in complete, complete pure jubilation. And you could see like Daniel de Broca, like break down of like, we're going to a World Cup final. Yeah. But Bezier as well. And just like, it's that moment where we've often had like quite bizarre interviews at the end of games and reactions from players after they've beaten a team who is slightly below their level or the standard. But here it was two completely, purely evenly matched teams coming up yes. against each other. And just, you could tell they finally had that release of, oh my God, we've actually worked hard for this. Mm. You know, we deserve this. And they interview De Broca after the game. And as we've established, I don't have a very good understanding of French, <laughs> but I could just tell from his tone of voice that that was the kind of stuff he was saying was like, this is a great group and we've we've done it you know we've got so to the final against the the French squad as it went dark that night as the kind of after they went into the dressing room and they came back out when the pitch had mm. emptied and they all stood in the middle of the pitch and started singing and they oh, sang nice. a number of their team songs together in the middle of brilliant. the pitch that's to brilliant. mark the celebration they were getting to the, that's the, beautiful. the final yeah. yeah just that's beautiful 
brilliant to see these two teams really tested to their limit. I uh, just it's it's a true classic. I'd recommend anybody to go back and watch this game. It's the one game from 1987 where I just think it's as good as Test rugby gets at that time. Yes, and I think it's, you're right. Yeah. It's better than a lot of you know really good tests these days. That second half in particular is yeah. 40 of the best mentioned Test rugby that we could possibly commentate. Yeah, absolutely, on. that second half looks like modern rugby to a degree. It does, yeah. yeah. You know, like, it's. Um, everything's just adapted to the time rather than being shit, you know? Yes, that's right. Yeah. 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 It's a game that is talked up as one of the best of all time. I genuinely think it does live up to it. Yeah, you I know? think it does I too. Think it, I think it and does. I, I think this, and I must sorry. admit, before I was, when you guys asked me to come on, I didn't think it would be. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. And when I started off, I was like, oh God, I've watched so many of these old matches. But it doesn't feel like that. Yeah, the yeah. first 20 minutes did, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first 20 minutes taken. I don't know whether I could stick watching this. I've fallen in sick. But then, you know, and yeah, send my mother in exactly. She'd love it. But yeah, the second 40, that's proper rugby. Yeah. Yeah. It's fantastic. Fantastic. Nick Far Jones says in autobiography that the depression was absolute. We knew we'd blown it, that there was nothing to be done. And it apparently took him a long time to get over. Um, And then then they lost to Wales. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like the sheer emotional energy of this must be must burn so you out, draining for Australia. Yeah. Whereas yeah, Wales totally. get battered by the All Blacks. Yeah. And like <laughs> spoilers, as I mentioned in the previous episode. <laughs> <Spoilers. that> yeah. <laughs> as Jiffy yeah. said, like there was that interview with the team, and they said like maybe we shouldn't have spent three days on the piss before a World Cup semi final. <laughs> and then Jiffy said no, even if the All Blacks spent the full week on the piss, we wouldn't have beaten them. Yeah. And yeah. I think it like it wouldn't have made any different. difference. Yeah, no. very all. different prospect emotionally. For Australia coming out of this, losing it right at the death in a game they could have won, where they were nine 0 up at the start. Yeah. To Wales not having a chance, they're kind of going, "All right, should we play this one last game and give it all we've got?" You know, yes. they're two very different environments. Yeah. To and you and know, so- you, when you look back at that New Zealand team, mm. you know, even being ten years old, we were hearing rumours that they were professional then, yeah. which, yeah. which yeah. they were, right? Yeah. And then, of course, by 1991, England then were having those rumours, oh, they're getting paid, mm. right? They're training three to four times a week. So that's where it started, that 87. Then you realise you had to go professional. Sure, mm. yeah. To cope. Yeah. What a game. What yeah. a game. Yeah. Brilliant. Good World um, Cup. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know. should, we, should we do Man yeah. of the Match and Dick of the Day then? Yes. Let's, oh, my yeah. God. Man of the I, ma- I, right, I know my Man of the Match is. And, yeah, right, I know what it is. Please. Go on. Please. Kick us off. You'll think it's Blanco, mm-hmm. but I'm going to go Lugiske. Okay. Oh, good shout. Okay. I right? like it. Yeah. Just because he he created a lot of shit in that game. Good mm. shout, Paul. So that's what I would say. I love it. I love it. I love he it. came up with a game-changing moment, you know. And yeah. He was, and, he was you know, a balanced, balanced game opposite a strong back three. Really I think good. so. And also, cool. Michael Liner wouldn't have been far off. Yeah. You know, he was great, you know. I think he's right there, very close for me, Liner. And I think if Australia's seen this through, or even if they just held on to it a bit more, they had a bit more control in the second half, because Liner is so good in that first half. Yeah, he is. And then I think the second half, we kind of see more of his running game, but we see less yeah. the kind of control that he had over it. Yeah. And I think overall, if we're balancing the two halves, I think my man of the match is Philippe Seller. Oh, there um, we go. Who I think is excellent. Like, every touch of the ball, he's kind of magical. He makes 
like there's a handful of times when he actually defends, you know, like he makes the yeah, 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 block yeah. stuff that's happening. He kind yeah. of plays like a, I think he's fantastic. Another and I, great shout. I could watch him play for dates. Yeah. After that yeah. alone, Philippe Seller. My, Another my great shout. Yeah. Not I've got qu- quite a lot of people written down. Cause I think genuinely like, if there's not a player in here who has a bad game, mm-hmm. you know, no. like you see the, the best version of a lot of these players. Like Andrew Slack is one player who said, you know, maybe the best game he's ever played. Mm-hmm. As you say, Liner really established Australia being in the game. I think Shomp was brilliant. Yes. Um, I think Blanco, obviously fantastic. I think what the, the second best player for me on the pitch was Laurier in the second row. I think he was a pure bastard all day. Yeah. Um, yeah. And really disrupted stuff, took his try well. But my man of the match is Philippe Seller. He's absolutely <laughs> yeah. unbelievable. And mm. as you say, it was, it was his every touch of the ball was impactful in some way. He was so, so smart in the way he played. And there was just a point where I realised not long after his try, like, oh no, he is a baller. Like, it's, he's a world-class player. And it's just, it takes three or four touches in his hands to just turn this game. Unbelievable. Yeah. Dick of the day. Dick of the day. This is very difficult for this. Right, mine's easy. Okay, please. I'm going for that fucking ball boy. (laughs) Yes! yes. You're spot on. There we are. Oh, man. So you remember when Matt Gitto famously was dropped in 2011 Mm. and he said, thank you, linesman, thank you, ball boys, and nobody else. Yes. Imagine dropping Matt Gitto. (laughs) In 2011. Yeah. Like peak Matt Gitto. Imagine dropping Matt Gitto now. Yeah, yeah. Right. Michael Liner would not have been thanking the ball boys in the way Matt Gitter did. No, no, no chance. That's right. <laughs> no. Do you want to go yours, Robbie, or should I go mine next? Here's the thing, right? Paul makes a very, very good point. It probably does have to be the ball boy. Yeah. I'm a big fan of the French co-commentator who, because we, you know, watch this French commentary. Yes. Uh, the main commentator is just a lot of French shouting and so on. And like their commentary on the Blanco try is brilliant. I love it. But, right, the French co-coms is constantly guessing who the ball's going to often. So sometimes, like, one commentator <laughs> yes, will be saying, the like, going to. maybe, uh, Ms. Nail, and then he'll kind of go, like, or oh, Chauvet. He'll be kind of <laughs> guessing who it's going to next, or, like, oh, Blanco. I did notice and then, that. And he'll catch the ball and be, like, and ship it on. Like, someone does a box kick and you just say, Kabizi, in the background. <laughs> Especially on kicks, yeah. Like, just before someone catches it, he'll kind of go, like, oh, Kabizi. That's brilliant. <laughs> It was great. I was a big fan of that. Just that kind of in the background. And at times you'd lose track of who was commenta- who was the main commentator. Yeah, 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 yeah. commentator. I heard that multiple times, yeah. Um, that was very good. But here's the thing. I kind of can't move past that Australian ball boy. No, I think, I think it's, it's, it's got to be him. Yeah. It's got to be him. You see, I had written down... One, one I've written down was Michael Liner for losing his shorts, right? But I think we kind of undersold it at the time when we mentioned it earlier. But the Pierre Bibesier switch into touch, oh my God. I think, is a spectacle. So I have to give him dick of the day for the fact that he went, he, he went like, called for the ball. Like, oh yeah, I don't know where the space is. Yeah. No one's marking the touchline, are they? <laughs> no one's marking his five metre channel. Yeah, exactly. Except that ball boy. <laughs> if I run down the advertising hoardings, I'll be all right. Yeah. So yeah. Pierre Bebezier is my dick of the day. That's really good because that move that he called midfit that doesn't exist now. <laughs> no, you wouldn't so play, funny. you wouldn't play again. Yeah. It's no, so no, funny. No. I'm going it's off your you... left shoulder straight in the touch, all right? It's the way there's a man like stood right next to the touchline and he tries to take him on the outside. If you take him on the outside, you're in row yeah. A of the stands. No, I'm gonna switch left straight in the touch. All right, yeah. cheers. <laughs> <laughs> so good. I love it. All right. Oh. <laughs> Thank you 
Thank you, everyone, for joining. Paul, thank you. Thank you for the mammoth effort today. Tell you yeah. what, I, but as soon as you said take a tangent, you said that to the wrong man. <laughs> Indeed. I will Indeed. talk shit for out. I'm so sorry. Once I start talking, it's been a delight. I've it's been great. absolutely loved this, Paul. And oh, I'm really glad we got you on the podcast. Thanks it's so much for having me on, guys. You've been, yeah. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Where can people find you, your stuff? Where can people, if people want to hear more Paul Williams? Um, if you want to hear more after this, I'd be surprised. <laughs> but I'm on Twitter at the Paul Williams, and that's about it, really. Yeah. For fans of line spacings, please do. Go on there, the fans of line spacing. Yeah, and just more shit at this, really. <laughs> You've just put up a two hours, 40 minutes of crap. If you want 365 days of it, go to my Twitter account. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't um, ask for more. Yeah, thank, thank you so much for joining us. Will, thank you as ever. You're welcome. Thank you to everyone listening. Please join us next week when we will be joined once again by Ben James from Wales Online to discuss Wales' 49-6 loss to the All Blacks. (laughs) Poor Ben. What a poor bastard. God love him. Good luck with that, Ben. (laughs) I can't wait. I can't wait. It should be nearly as chaotic as this. (laughs) All right, Paul, thank you very much. Cheers for doing it. Thanks so much, guys. And yeah, thank you to everyone listening. We'll see you next week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.